One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I don't like blood. Get slivical, slivical. <laughs> I wanna get slivical. Let's get into slivical. I'm Matt Gorley. I'm Paul Russ, and we are getting into slivical. The way we start every podcast to the tune of Olivia Newton John, rest in peace, physical. Yeah, um, and sometimes it's hard uh, given if there's multiple syllables or only one right. syllable, uh, but. Slivical, I think, was our best one. Yeah. Yeah. Next, I mean, clavicle. The time we did that movie, clavicle, that one was maybe just a bit better. <laughs> what about uh, 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 could we apply your alternate title of swath? <laughs> Let's get swathical. Swathical. <laughs> <laughs> this is with Gorley and Rust, where we talk at length at our discretion and leisure about <laughs> horror movies and yuppie thrillers. Yes. It's a cozy, easy listening podcast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can go to Patreon dot com slash with with Gorley and Rust. Yes. Yeah. I don't even uh, know my own Patreon. Well, originally for the longest time it was for Gorley and Rust, and then we changed it to, and we're like, the best preposition is with. It's got to be because you're <laughs> never alone. Yes. Right. You can get feature length commentaries, mailbag episodes, bonus episodes. Mm. You get these episodes a week early and ad free. That's right. That's right. That's right. We've got a. If you're uh, listening to this now, you could. The one, uh, uh, the oh, non Patreon yeah. one, you could right now be listening to Fear. That's right. Yeah. You can go forward in time. <laughs> that And that's only for a small monthly fee. Forward in time? That sounds like somebody who says, <clears throat> Marty. <laughs> Doc Brown. That's my Doc Brown impression. <laughs> Let's get Marticle. Marticles. <laughs> You can, uh, we've got an upcoming episode just for the Patreon people on Halloween ends. We've got, we're going to take an, or do an episode and rethink some of the ratings we got. I also thought we should do rank the franchises that we've covered. Damn, that is good. Oh my God. Of course. Because yeah, we got a lot now. You know, I was thinking that because I was thinking, Hey, there's some stinkers in this yuppie thing, but Mm -hmm. still overall, I would rank this season very high in my enjoyment. Got it, got it, got it. So it, it would uh, 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 
treating this as a franchise. And then, yeah, because even if you just had three franchises alone, they'd be fun to rank. But yeah. we've got multiple. We've got 11, I think. That's right. 11 seasons. Ooh. Oh, also, yeah. because I, that reminded me of the Alien franchise. Uh-huh. You know, last week I was trying to think of what's the comparable franchise movie like Consenting Adults where it's well-crafted by people who've done it before yeah. and done it well. You called it like the uh, Friday Five, right? Um, I forget what I... Uh, no, uh, no. I, I, I thought it was maybe like Freddy's Dead, but then okay, I was like right, backed right. off on it. I came to it now. I think it's the Prometheus. <sighs> yeah. It's just like... The prestige director. Pres- prestigious and accidentally baffling. Yeah, and in yeah. over its head and yeah. in love with itself. Yeah. Hmm. That's good. Well, we'll see. I might revise it after. That's right. <laughs> more more thinking on it. But yes, to rank the franchises to R the Fs. Oh my would god. Would be so fun. Let's R the Fs. Boy. Uh if if uh if you subscribe That's right. at the highest level, which is the baby xenomorph, because you can be a baby, it goes baby Jason, baby Michael, baby Freddy, baby Xenomorph. Much like Prometheus, which was the baby xenomorph? I don't. That's not no. True. You're right. It's that kind like of what proto xenomorph. Yeah. It has a name. I forget what it's called. Proto xeno. Let's get proto xeno. <laughs> um, well, anyway, if you subscribe at that level, you get your name read on the podcast. All right you have to on. do is email us at withgorleyandrust at gmail dot com. Put your name in the subject, and, and if you have a, a shout-out or a special way you want it, put it in the subject. That's the only way we can get to it now, because God bless you guys. You're sending anthologies and full-length two, three-page emails. Oh, that's great. We love it, but <laughs> in the moment, it's hard to read. Yes. So, uh, we're going to give some shout-outs here, and they go like this. Scott Hartley, but he wants to shout it out to his wife, Grace Morrison. Oh, because they're they're traveling all over the country. Isn't that nice? That is nice. Okay. David, uh, oh, just David Sugardoer wants his, oh, look, wow. He wants his daughter's names read. Listen to these names. He says, hope I'm doing this right. Good luck with the pronunciations. Halvig Harpa, Hjordis Olaf, Helga Kristin, named after Christine the car, and (laughs) Helena Bogi. Wow. I hey, hope, that's awesome. I hope I did them justice. That's really cool. Um, oh, Sam Drody, he wants a new no-no from you, Paul. Oh, uh, new no-no. Uh, Drody is my Brody. He's my brother now. New no-no. All the Patreon subscribers are my siblings. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, we got Chris Chiff managed. Chris Decatur. Chris Chris Jiff managed Decatur. Oh, wait, what? Hope one. I want read as a woman of science, Catherine Heathcliff's wife. <laughs> Is that Heathcliff from, the cat's wife? I don't know. Or Catherine Heathcliff's wife. Hope two. Would you read it as an introduction to a stunt show spectacular? <laughs> And cut. My name's Oblio Contoso, and you've been watching the With Gorley and Rust Action Stunt Spectacular. <laughs> These aren't real fire retardant children. They're burnables. And action. Okay. Uh, we've got Sam Drotty. 
And uh, 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 mm, uh, okay, I think he just wants it like that. Sorry if I missed it. Uh, Zach Williams in the style of Irving Kirshner. That's so funny. I was just about to say, if I was going to have my name read by you, I would totally request the Kirshner treatment. I'll do that for you now. Paul Rust. Thank you. You're welcome. Come on down to Dagerber. And uh, come see the Goblin Man and um, and Landau Calrissian. By the way, Martin Lando is in this movie we're going to talk about. Oh, today. That's true. <laughs> you know, uh, Mr. Kirshner, you know, I was thinking about it recently. Yeah. It's funny that you did these s- sequels to originals that you didn't direct. So the, the return of the man from Snowy River, <laughs> Never Say Never Again. You're leading with the big one. <laughs> uh, chronological. Empire. And Robocop. And Robocop 2. Yeah. That seems to be... I'm not interested in bl- blazing the trail. I'm interested in... You spike it up, I'll knock it home. And which That's, I think I did. And I think you do a With Robocop those, 2. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, you're right. I mean, nobody's seen the Star Wars one, but and man, Return to the Man from Snowy River comes back. Boy, my masterpiece. You should do your own uh, universe of your sequel to original movies you didn't make. <laughs> they says, do you want to do Return of the Jedi? Of course, back then it was called Revenge of the Jedi. And I says, no, I'm doing Revenge of the Man from Snowy River, <laughs> which then we both changed our movies to Return. Because the Man from Snowy River doesn't get revenge. I'd be curious how close Never Say Never Again was released near Return of the Jedi. Yeah. How sliding doorsy did it get in multiplexes that that, that year? Right. Could you go and sit down and watch your greatest competitor of uh, the Return of the Je- Jedi uh, Octopussy who's <laughs> the director Richard oh, Marquand Richard Markham. yeah Marquand oh man that guy he's a hack he doesn't know drama has he done a sequel no he's always done a threequel get a life Matt Sacco doesn't want it in this voice <laughs> And Scott Fogg. Okay, we should probably move these Xenos to the end of the episode because if we've got any new listeners, they've got to be wondering what the hell's going on. Yeah, that was fun though. Then again, who's coming to the podcast for the first time for Sliver? That is true. That is a good, good, very good question. I, it could be. Um, This is a, a, a one, two things uh, I wanted us to look at. In regards to Sliver, but overall with the movies. It's just some things to think watched. about as yeah. we're going into this. Yes, yes, yes. Now with Tom Berenger yes. before our eyes, I think it's safe to say that all of the actors who are in the cast of The Big Chill certainly represented yuppiedom. Right. Because they were young urban professionals in Big Chill who are reuniting after... You know, mm-hmm. being full tilt and uh, yuppie them, right? Yeah. Adulting much. Adulting much, question mark, hashtag two. Get physical. Uh, <laughs> think about it. We've gotten three big chillers so far in this uh, yuppie okay, nightmare Okay, wait, let alone. me guess. Let me guess. Well, Tom Berenger. Berenger. Just look over your shoulder at our last movie. Uh, with the With the consenting... Adults. Kevin Klein. Kevin Klein. <gasps> and then look. Glenn what, Close. Yes. Whoa. His wife in the in the big show, Glenn Close. And Jennifer Tilly's in Psycho too. That almost counts. Oh, uh, with Meg Tilly. 
Shit. No, 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 no. I'm doing it. So you know, You're right. No, but Meg Tilly is both those, right? So that's, if you, you just right. change the name to Meg Tilly, we're still correct. It's not one Jennifer and one Meg, no. right? Sorry. Meg Tilly's in Big Chill, Jennifer Tilly's in the Chucky movies. No, but Meg Tilly's in Psycho too. Damn right, brother. <laughs> we did it. Okay, so we ha- we watched a commentary of Poltergeist. I don't quite like that because it's Poltergeist is the year before Big Chill, and I think it's cleaner if we can be like, oh. they were yuppies in the Big Chill. This is almost a sequel to the Big Chill. Tom Berenger goes on to write. Novels. Oh, I love this. Uh, uh, Kevin Klein goes off to write music. Yeah, Alan Close goes also off. gets into publishing. I know, just Barrett. like Pub- probably maybe works with um, Sharon Stone, uh, and maybe works yeah with um, Sharon Stone's novelist character for Basic Instinct. And oh, uh, that's right, uh, Sharon Stone edits herself. <laughs> I wish. Yeah, oh God. In some of her interviews, she is much too candid. I'll say it. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, and then uh, Jack Nicholson is a wolpy, wolpy. <laughs> is that a, a wolfman yuppie? Wolfman yuppie. A wolpy. Uh, and a uh, 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 wolf. He's a publisher in that too. Shit. Publishing is yeah. where yuppie thrillers very, like to go. Elite. I think what it is, it's um, uh, Hollywood can only use their own yuppiedom as a way to. To portray yuppiedom. Yeah. But they can't have movie executives walking around in a studio, on a studio line. So they go, what's the one-to-one publishing yeah. creative? We can put all the office politics of whatever our shit is, but we'll just give it That's a classy. very astute of you. I never, that never <laughs> crossed my mind. They are kind of like, give me the analog to what I do because, A, these are boomers. So they're going to be all about them. Yep. Sorry. I mean, this is all, I mean, these movies are all the biggest generation that was ever born in the history of the universe. They got to have movies to go to when they're getting married. So I think this is maybe the the, the only prejudice I have. And is it because I'm allowed to, because I'm the parent of boomers? I mean, the the, child child of boomers. So it's like, uh, it's self-criticism in a way or self-analysis. It's not entirely like... Or it's like I never experienced. A- it's not fair because I know plenty of boomers who are wonderful, self-aware people, but I don't think of them as boomers. I just think of them as a like. That's when I feel the pain is when I think about the people who are boomers who are like, I know, but why are you guys doing that? And I'm going, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I also was thinking about it um, because. Um, you know what's given me an, an ounce of um, 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 <laughs> empathy or whatever for, for the movie? Give it to like, me. I need some. Um, I was thinking, even though I was just like, uh, right before we started recording, talking about how I hated this boomer grandma laughing at her kid getting scared on a ride at Disneyland. Yeah. So let that be known too. Okay. But, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, Uh, you okay, buddy? I, no, I was. I, I, I was looking. I'm, I want to phrase this right, but okay. I was looking at the statistics of divorce rates, mm. and America right now is the lowest 
divorce rates have been since uh, right before 1966. Interesting. When divorce rates started up. And we all know in 66, culturally, you were frowned upon if you ever got a divorce. So that almost doesn't count. There's plenty of people that would have gotten divorced. I think then it started kicking up 67, 68 yeah. is when it began. And then it peaked 79, 80, 81. Is 80. When- That's when my parents got mm-hmm. in. Right at the at the boom times of divorce. They, they sold low. Well, I was thinking about this because so I watched high. this really amazing About a Son, Kurt Cobain uh, documentary where he's just talking about like, Oh, something happened when I was nine years old and my other nine-year-old friends talked about it. It was like an epidemic that happened where all our parents were getting divorced. Yeah. And we would talk about it. What's happening? Why are all our parents getting divorced? And then he said later, when they're teenagers then, you got all these, he said baby boomers. He was like, parents going, what's happening to our kids and our teenagers? And he's like, they just don't understand. They want love. They just want security and love and they're reacting to some feeling of instability because yeah. of, and the way he put it was they're getting divorced because they're in their thirties. They get to sow their wild oats. Right. So they're like, I missed it. No, I didn't. I can still be in my thirties and be a hip happening. I don't have to be what I thought my parents were or right. whatever. And so. Whatever. I then heard that, looked up the divorce rates. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Now, my first gut instinct uh, was selfish boomers. They, of course, prioritized themselves, their single lives before, even if they had children and families. It was like, of course, me, me, me. That's what they're all about. So now they're me, me, me. Even when they're supposed to be raising families, divorce rates go up, blah, blah, blah. But the ounce of empathy that I did start thinking was, not to sound all socialist, but it is all comes down to economic constraints. It ain't all just dudes in those divorces. It was also women who were economically tied to fucking dicks yeah, <laughs> who would cheat on them. And people economically, uh, they have to get married in order to get money. Then they can't get jobs, but then they time rolls around. They're like, what am I doing with my life? I should have been pursuing my own career. And then it's like, well, they're doing way better than the generation before them where their dads were fucking lunatics. And they allowed uh, a generation after them to not have to deal with that. And I have some of that empathy So so it's all to say these divorce rates and this kind of interest, immediate kind of like sanctimonious reaction I had of like, they're just, they're selfish. It was more like, oh, people doing their best given the fucked up hand they were dealt. Yeah. Yeah. Two quick things on that. I I agree because I watched my boomer parents go through a divorce and they handle it incredibly well. They put us, me and my sister first in terms of they never badmouthed each other, settled out of court, lived near. And it's complicated and complex, which um, is not what the characters in this movie are. No, what I want anybody who, after I said that, to know that I do recognize it as a complex thing and to even think of 
divorce as a selfish thing is not correct 100% whatsoever. So yeah. like it's that is that, that is such a dumb entangled stupid thing I'm saying. So. Absolutely. Um but uh 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 but yeah, the the lack of uh, complexity of these characters. Let's oh, a quick bit of business. Sure, yes. Quick. First of all, your uh, vinyl of "Don't Stop or We'll Die" is out. Yes, and is that's past pre order now? You're just in order. To You're in order form now. Yes. So go to don'tstopworldwilldie.com, and it's a vinyl only release called Beazus, and uh, oh, you can check it out. Yeah. I saw that Michael had posted a picture of them all packaged up, and yeah. it looks glorious because we're sending out a bunch of town. Now tell vinyl. me about yours. Well, we're sold out, but we're probably going to release a small batch before Christmas sometime. So follow Townland Band on Instagram. Also, what this goes out on what's today? Today the, is a the voting day, day Tuesday, election day. The 8th. So on the 15th, we have a Christmas song coming out for a week just on Bandcamp before it hits streaming. <gasps> Fantastic. So, so on the 15th, go to Bandcamp and get Townland's Christmas on the Rocks Christmas song about drinking at Christmas. Wonderful. And then uh, the the Tuesday after that, the 22nd, it'll be, uh, you know, everywhere on the streaming platforms. Hey, hey, hey. That's business. Done. Oh, I love it. Asked and answered. That is a nice little gift, a Yuletide gift, I gotta I say. I'm getting in the Christmas spirit because finally work slowing down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Well, and we didn't quite set the scene, but it's just, we're coming after a full night of rain. It's cloudy. It's gray. It's very cozy. It was pouring rain when you walked in. And then the minute you stepped in, the sun just came out. And this is not me joking. Like you, you did... Who can bring the sunshine? Uh, <laughs> uh, um, well, and now look at this. I'm sitting across legged. Uh, or what's that yoga style? What what would you say this is? Cross legged. Yeah, where my but it's not cross legged like um like this like this. Oh no, it's uh yeah uh is that lotus lotus position? Yeah, barefoot. Mm-hmm. And so I have my little my feet tucked underneath your my legs to keep warm. Yeah. And then I'm looking over at you and you have socks on your feet. We're both operating cozy and I'm wearing a sweatshirt with the sleeves pushed up. Oh, I'm in full. I got a hoodie and a big baggy sweatpants on. This is, this is living. Also, um, you know, over the last three weeks when I've found some, October is a busy month. So I guess more the last week when I find some time, I was able to, uh, in the last two weeks, uh, get a haircut, go to the dentist, get my eyes examined. So it's almost like I was able to like renovate my head <laughs> <laughs> in a way. <laughs> you flipped your head. And every time night I shower, I uh, Q-tip both of my ears. Me too. So I'm always got a, just a washed out, scrubbed head at, oh, yeah. at all times. I love Q-tipping, man. It's, you gotta be, you gotta be careful. You gotta be gentle. You gotta be real good. Uh, I was doing that Desiree. Yeah. Okay. That was my Olivia Newton-John style. (laughs) Um, But it is uh, satisfying. I know you gotta be careful and you should. Oh, I trust that you're careful, though. But but they, there it does seem I to don't be see this as a like, guy just goes in there. Well, I almost kind of do because there does seem to be this kind of like, public service campaign, like almost Cold War duck and cover kind of do not put a Q-tip in your ear. 
I put that thing real far in. Oh. And I'm still okay. The human ear is... Say what? <laughs> is vaginal in its complexity. <laughs> like, the way I... I go, it can go this further back? Mm-hmm. This? What? Here? Yeah. I mean, I have put it into the point where I go, oh, that hurts. But I know not to go in that far. But I got I to gotta get it in yeah. past the point where... The- you hit the tesseract. From, oh, from no, Intercellar, I, the little kind of like weird mesh. I don't want to do that. It's when the the diameter of the Q-tip is wider than the opening in the ear, but just by a little bit. So when you pop it in, there's just a little bit of resistance and you get past that. Ooh, yes. And then pop it back yep, out. Yep, yeah. Oh, well, I've been so doing satisfying. that because my head is stuffy. So I've been oh. popping my ears and stuff. Yeah. The Interstellar Tesseract thing. Can I just, uh, sure. this might be uh, my favorite, one of my favorite tweets of all time. Please, please. Uh, Bugman, Bugman, B-U-G-M-A-N-E. Uh, he's a, oh. it's a, it's a character played by a very funny comedian who I won't say his name because I think it, the, the, the mystery is part of it. Okay. But he had such a funny tweet about how uh, remember when Trump tweeted Kofifi? Yeah. Cause we still get when my wife and I have coffee in the morning we say Kofifi? That uh, that was Matthew McConaughey in Interstellar <laughs> trying to use the Tesseract to get Trump to tweet COVID. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, uh, <laughs> mouth who the comedian? Huh? Oh yeah. Uh, so uh, uh, also, it, just so the listeners know, it's Gallagher. <laughs> Gallagher too. <laughs> um, also, as long as I'm given straight up shout outs for things I love, yeah. Now next week is our um, last week of yuppie dumb. <sighs> if people have. A hunger for 80s and 90s thrillers that they want to explore. I do. You're talking to the the crowd. Um, I've talked to, <laughs> I've talked about this uh, podcast that I love uh, before I love so much. It's the Pure Cinema Podcast. And it's uh, hosted by Elric Kane and Brian Sauer. And uh, the, people should listen to any episode because uh, great vibes of the podcast their sort of motto is they only talk about what they love. They might watch something. They didn't think it was so good. They won't even mention it then. They'll just talk about like turning you on to new stuff that maybe you haven't seen. It's great. Uh, In particular, they did an episode um, from, uh, and and people should uh, listen to this when they're um, uh, ready to uh, uh, um, Listen to more Yuppie Dumb. But they did an episode, uh, 80s and 90s uh, uh, um, thrillers. Mm. And they got uh, a um, person who was, um, you know what? I thought I took a screenshot. <laughs> you want me to vamp? Vamp, baby. Well, if it isn't just me and I'm singing a deedly tune, I've got songs in my ribs. I gotta use my lungs to oh get them out. Oh my god, this is out. great. I'm so I glad. I gotta use my mouth to scream and shout, but I do it with a melody. Okay, You're well that was fella. perfect. Thank you, my friend. Uh, uh, um, this done. episode is from November 19th, 2020, and they got a uh, new beverage 
Beverly Cinema comrade, as they put him, uh, Phil Blankenship, to talk about thrillers from the 80s and 90s. The episode is called 80s and 90s Thrillers. And this guy, Phil, is very funny. I think he said one of the funniest things I ever heard about uh, mystery movies, where he said one movie had more red herrings than characters. <laughs> Which anytime I watch a movie with red herrings, I'm like, does this have more red herrings than yeah. actual characters? I have, uh, uh, but which movie had more red herrings? I forget what it was. Oh. I think it's in this episode you mentioned it. But the cool thing he did, and I'll give people lots to watch, is uh, they do five films because he did five triple features of 80s and 90s thrillers that Whoa, are like curated. undiscovered. So it's actually 15 different movies. Five different triple features. So people should listen to it. It's a grand old, uh, oh, grand old time. Cool. And then watch those movies. There's some really great gems. Uh, we just kind of scratched the surface, yeah. but the, the ones that are more like the uh, Showtime or, yeah. or uh, Cable or... Uh, I'm flying to New York to tomorrow. I'm going to download that for the plane trip. That sounds really good. Where are you flying tomorrow, my friend? New York. Yeah, what do you... Uh, did you just say New York? Yeah. Sorry, I said... <laughs> I'm getting to... Uh, I mean, technically, I could, I could be more specific. I'm flying to an airport. The worst comedy duo routine where somebody goes, I went to blank, and the person goes, where did you go? Oh, that doesn't uh, even have any wit. <laughs> just the person didn't hear it. Uh, you're going to New York? Yeah, we've got a couple of live Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend shows, so patrons, by the time you hear this, I'll already be there. Uh, are Thursday you doing anything when you're on the Big Apple? It's a quick turnaround, and these shows have to be turned around quickly, so... We have one Thursday and one Friday. Friday, I'll be editing probably in the hotel room. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then <laughs> back back Saturday, because this is going to sound real summer camp kid, but I'm leaving Wednesday, coming back Saturday. I, I don't want to be away from my daughter that long, you know, and my wife and the family in this cozy weather. Are you kidding? Oh, uh, I've been to New York many, many times. You know where I haven't yeah. been? Here. I mean, I've, I've been here all the time. Yes. But I'm not done yet. I I I understand. I um when Mary was about a year and a half old, I had to leave for something for two or three nights that was oh, like Oh yeah, forget it. Semi voluntary. That's what this uh, is. Yeah, yeah, like and so I did it and then I came back to Leslie with like tears in my eyes. And she must have assumed like I had an affair or something because I came back and I was like, I just miss you guys so much and I don't, it's hard for me to be away from you guys. Yeah. yeah. Um, And it is, uh, I don't know how you're feeling. It's a crazy thing where it's like, is it uh, strange to feel that tied or is that like the most human thing that I should give you? It's the most human thing and it's the most, it's the most, uh, know thy I like I don't doubt it for a second it doesn't right. it, I was already a homebody but now I I especially don't want to go anywhere oh a pet and child plus home is like an immediate why would I do anything else? <laughs> I know also my daughter's like picking up a new couple of words every day and yeah. I'm going to miss like six words yeah. what if one of them's 
winner and she's got a giant check from publisher's clearinghouse <laughs> i know yeah well then so you're going to be listening to the podcast what um i know previously you've listened you've watched mr mom on flights do you have oh any? i will not have the fortitude to do that now especially i will weep openly. oh I so can't. is it going to be the other end like you're going to watch now i think i'll the go the latest diehard picture <laughs> <laughs> i'll probably go like deep 70s like uh i may do the tamarind seed with julie andrews and is it omar sharif or i can't remember who's damn brother i don't know our man in havana with alec guinness oh my god you are two titles that i've never even go who knows though you know i might we're also going to talk halloween ends soon so maybe i'll watch that on there i don't know if i'm ready for that yet um Mm-hmm. Well, no, no, I don't know, but I, I will tell you this: it won't be Sliver. Yeah, shall we talk about uh, Sliver? Let's let's get into the Sliver. Um, so no bones about it. Um, uh, probably the worst of the yuppie nightmares so far in, in terms movie, of comprehensibility. Yes, and I think every single person involved would say the same thing. They all realize it was a a, a sort of train wreck. Train. It is a train wreck. Yeah. Uh, uh, there is a... Yeah, it really is a... Um, um, you know, uh, Brantley... A Palmer, as always, uh, gives yeah. uh, as providers great notes, and this one has this crazy backstory. That if you watch this movie and you were just like an average moviegoer, you'd walk out of that going like, "Did they have to? Ch- did something change?" Because you know we talked about how uh, thrillers are like you just it's somebody who can tell a good joke, yeah. So they add details and the setup so yeah. that when you hear the punchline, I was thinking with this, the fact that they had to change the ending and who was the good guy, who was the bad guy up into the very 10 days yeah. before the movie came out. They were mixing the movie the Monday before the movie came out on a Friday. And they were shooting 10 days before. Yes. A reshoot 10 days re-shooting before. Reshooting a movie 10 days before America saw it in theaters. Uh the the if you go with the idea of telling a joke, it would be as if somebody's telling a joke. They're adding all the details of the setup, and then like, bef- you know, right before you have to tell the punchline, they whisper. They're like, "You got to change the punchline," and then you're like, "But I just spent all this time yeah. adding all these details that now will just seem so stupid that I even yeah." This punchline, this setup is based on. A volcano that, when you see this volcano, you're like someone's dying on that volcano. Someone's falling and dying on that volcano. But my understanding is that's not even in the original ending. No, no. You watched? Did you watch the the original? I watched a little bit of it. It was 19 minutes. I had seen it like two years ago. The original ending? Yeah, the one that was in in the theaters. um, Because I went down a hole of work prints. Oh. on YouTube that can be <laughs> really fun. <laughs> no, no, no. You got to oh YouTube God. the word work print. You'll find some <laughs> really good stuff. And somebody put up the work print of Sliver's original ending where they, yeah, yeah. go and crash into a volcano while having sex. It's, But then in Brantley's kind notes, of, yeah. a crew 
Like their helicopter went down in the volcano. A guy was left there for two days. Breathing noxious fumes. Yeah. Which is so, you know, uh, that is maybe the greatest proof that God exists where it's like, you guys try to make a movie like Sliver and you put people in danger for such a shitty movie. I will uh, smite thee. And I'll do it in a like ancient Greek way of like, you'll fall into a volcano. (laughs) We, I, I demand a sacrifice for the bullshit, not to mention all the social political things that were going on. Brantley laid out the level of intricacy of the affairs that were going yes. on in the production. I couldn't even understand. Let me it. just read it. Yeah, I you think have to just read it word because for we word. could try to describe it, and it'd be more difficult than just. Uh, uh, yes. Okay. So, because what a, this is a more torrid uh, love affair than anything than Sliver. Movie. Yeah. This is um, Swath. Uh, this is uh, Brantley uh, Palmer right here, right off the bat. Here's the weird personal entanglement stuff that happened behind the scenes. Producer Bill McDonald and Sharon Stone fell in love shortly after filming began. This led to Bill McDonald dumping his wife of five months, although they'd been together for 10 years. Five months, though. Jesus. <laughs> like, I finally got him to marry me. Boom. Oh, she's on me about the toilet seat. Clean up. (laughs) I don't even like Sharon Stone. I just want to get out of this toilet seat bracket. Now, this woman he'd been with for 10 years, married for five months, was Naomi. Uh Naomi then began to spend time at the Esther house. Household Joe Esther house. The The Esther household. Esther household. (laughs) While recovering from their breakup. Joel, Joe, Esterhouse, and Naomi fell in love. And Joe, Esterhouse, left his first wife, Jerry Javor, Javor, with whom he'd had two kids to be with Naomi. Joe and Naomi are still together to this day and have four kids together. They married in 94, a year after Sliver. And Bill and Sharon lasted from 92 to 94. Um... Sharon, uh, this is just three little bullet points to add that in, uh, add in the details. Sharon told Bill they should get married and be together because her psychic told her they'd be lovers Good God. in a previous life. You they get- never ended up marrying, though. This led to Esther House canceling plans to create a production company with Bill McDonald, which was to be called, and this is my favorite detail, their production company was going to be called... Renegades. <laughs> For what it's worth, Jerry and Naomi were friends, and when their marriage was falling apart, Jerry told Joe he should have married Naomi. Esther House would later name the director of Nomi and Showgirls after the childhood nickname for his new wife, Naomi, a choice he now regrets. Wow. So there was, and then uh, uh, Sharon Stone didn't want Robert Evans, the producer on set, because she um, said that he, her, she had a friend who was used as his sex slave at his house. And meaning like she's in bondage gear, full time naked, almost captive at the house or yes. something to that effect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this movie. I mean, I won't say the name. Oozes Evans. But I have a first-hand eyewitness account where somebody went to Robert Evans' house 
and he showed them a collection of women's pubes that he had slept with. Have I mentioned this on the pod before? You have, but you phrased it differently this time where it sounds like he slept with just the pubes. <laughs> no, it was more like, you know, uh, the big tinfoil ball. It was like a collection of uh, oh, God. pubes. But, but the question I probably asked this the first time is, was he, was he just kind of pulling them out of the bed post-coitus or did he like say, and now let me get my scissors and join the <laughs> Right, club. we did discuss this. Yeah. And I thought it was more... Good night, baby. I'll walk you to your car. And then her car goes off. Then you hear tiptoes. Tip, 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 tip. His little feet. I don't know why I'm doing this as a radio play. <laughs> going over to I the, sure Then going over tip, 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 to his bed. Mm, wearing the pumps. Mm. Oh, there's one. Mm, Jeeves. And how does he know for sure it's hers and not his? I imagine he changes the sheets every, after every... But, well, he's in that of, bed, too. Right. Well... He probably just has a big ball of his own. Maybe he shaves. Oh, yeah. Maybe he <laughs> shaves. I'm so glad we'll get to we the bottom finally of this. reached the conclusion of how... Oh, that's uh, how he Robert does Evans it. could have definitively know oh, he that does they it. were wow. other people's uh, pubes. So, Robert Evans... I mean, this has some uh, legendary... Hollywood forces behind it. Yeah. Um, uh, Robert, like Robert Evans, this was pointed out online. This is uh, Rosemary's Baby for the 90s. And written by the same author. Same author from the same book. Uh, Robert Evans wanted Roman uh, Polanski to direct Sliver. Um, it was same idea. Mysterious New York high rise. A woman who gets ensnared into the mysteries. A tenant dies around her. Um, even I noticed uh, this wasn't said online, but like the fact that William Baldwin's mom was a soap opera actress. Uh, John Cassavetes in Rosemary's Baby, he's a an actor. Right. Like, um, but. You can tell that it was Ed Paul Silbert um, is the production designer, and he's just like 70s, 60s, 70s movies, yeah. royalty. Like, you can see that it's like Hollywood in the 90s is still rolling out the carpet for giants of the 70s, and they're going, okay, what's the bottle I have to put my work into? It's erotic sex movies let's go i'll yeah, get Sharon Stone to esther house de palma's back hey, I have this- your boy philip noise yeah patriot games yeah fact, right right between patriot games and clear and present danger yeah Noyce and he is- got polly walker from patriot games is in this movie as vita ah and i've you know i've sung the noise praises with a uh, dead calm yeah uh, which did you see the book in this movie that's yeah. like the poster <laughs> I picked that up too. I think that's in the notes. But uh, I I was sort of weighing this, you know, it's no secret. I I wasn't a huge fan of Raising Cain, but there are two different versions of bad for me where one where it's like one person has too much control and then this one where no one has any control. It's out of control. Yes. And I I think obviously Raising Cain's a better made movie. Mm Mm-hmm. But I think I had somehow more fun with this movie because it was so 
crazy to talk about it as going along with Amanda about what, what, where's this heading? So sure the volcano was going to kill somebody. You're like, you meet the old man, Gus, you're like, he's dead, but how is, uh, you know, I was switching back and forth as to whether Berenger or William Baldwin oh. was the bad guy. Turns out that's because they were both bad guys and poorly written. The dialogue in this movie is atrocious. Oh, I, I flagged it, wrote down a couple of just some really well, The biggest choice. one ever is, what's that? A volcano. I've always loved them. I dream of flying a volcano into one one time. Or something like that. Well, and then, as the original ending would show us, he got to do just that. Uh, 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 my favorite is so the uh, bad dialogue is so close to that. Repeat that again. What was the? Um, I I love it too. What's that? A volcano. I've always loved them. Mine was when she's going on the tour initially. This is one of them. Sharon Stone goes, "What a strange tub!" And the person showing her goes. I like tubs myself. <laughs> I know. That lady was crazy. There are more examples. It's not just bad dialogue of like the classic. Nobody would say that. That's yeah. dumb and shitty. It's also the bad dialogue of same characters will repeat similar like that. Yeah. I like it too. Yeah. I like it myself. The other one was later calling camp when she's leaving a message on the answering machine. She's like, where have you been? I can smell you guys, which is already like Joe Astor House, you fucking pig. A woman would never leave an answering machine message. Uh, maybe I'm sexist for thinking a woman wouldn't be a. Uh, uh, Not in this case. But I like, will back oh, you, you fucking, I can smell your sex. And then two scenes later, William Baldwin goes, like, I can, can you still smell us? Yeah. It's, it's like, Oh, this is also the very shitty writer who just uh, this characters are all from the same id. Douchiest movies ever made because everything Sharon Stone seems to respond to, not because she's like some, I don't know, like uh -huh. cutting edge empowered woman is an absolute intrusion. Like break-ins to her apartment, mm -hmm. everything Berenger break breaks in twice and she to give her like, exposition. Yeah. <laughs> Quick, I got to get in here. I got to tell you some more stuff about William Baldwin's secret past. You're under arrest for breaking and expositing. <laughs> the breaking was fine. Was like, yeah, sorry, please. That very uh, just the way, like, he, he breaks in and leaves and she just kind of smiles like, oh, the, the amount of like, encroachment and intrusiveness that they he puts you a can, telescope uh, yeah in exactly and it's such a um you can feel the fucking cell uh of they go so far in making sharon stone's character like a wallflower to that it's like you know the year before she was in basic instinct so yeah. it's like this character is the complete opposite of her sex-hungry character after, uh, yeah, spring '92, uh, Basic Instinct, and oh, then the year like, before she was in Basic. Yes, yeah. sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry. Yeah. Uh, so this is like her big follow-up to Basic Instinct. Oh yeah, and so it does seem to kind of be like, sure, she's being pigeonholed in the erotic sex movie where she gets naked and has sex, but this is a different character, oh, but not even this. Is, and but then it ends up being way blander because it's sort of this like proto 50 shades of gray or like it's what's, what's so the opposite unclear. of proto after nine and a half weeks this idea of the like wallflower woman who meets this dangerous mysterious fellow who comes in and teaches her 
to let her exhibitions like that is the erotic the story. The wallflower stuff is so it doesn't land, and it's oh, it just this, makes her boring and seem like kind of a. Uh, it's just confusing because she's antiquated. It's just like seems <laughs> she's never really turning anything down, and the thing where she's like, "I'm 35, and this guy's too young for you." What is he? 30? Yeah, it's clear that this movie's meant to be like a 45 year old and early 20s guy or something. Well, if she go wanted that to be direction. Brad Pitt. Yeah. Sharon Stone did. And the younger guy, I mean, Brad Pitt might not necessarily look younger than uh, William Baldwin, but if Sharon Stone is like, hey, I got a boner for this guy, uh, Brad Pitt, you just listen to her. Yeah. Then, I mean, uh, probably the criticism that people would have watching Sliver at the time, I imagine, and watching it, whatever, 25 years now. Is like zero chemistry. Well, they between. hated each other. Yeah, yeah, I mean that is so obvious on screen that they do. Yeah, nobody likes anybody in this movie, character or actor. I mean, it'd be really if I'm putting myself in the sh- shoes of either person. I'm more. I could see how Sharon Stone would be like. I want this sub Alec. <laughs> A proto Alec. Yeah, like Billy Baldwin should be kissing her feet that he's getting to be in her basic instinct follow up. It's a it's a is little he like post backdraft yet. He is post backdraft oh, yet, man. He's riding high. Are you kidding? You it, got it, it is. I'm sure a total case of two people each thinking they they are the star. Yeah, yeah. Um, if it had been Brad Pitt playing Zeke or if River Phoenix was still alive, if you had an actual, like, William Baldwin doesn't seem, uh, William Baldwin just doesn't seem dangerous to me. But no, no. if it was like a guy who reads as like, you know, it was like Christian Bale or something at that time. And yet no performance in this time. movie is any worse than the movie itself. So like the actors only end up looking True. better than the movie because the movie's, oh, Crazy. Well said, which is there's a point where William Baldwin is like sitting down. When you first find out that he's now the Mr. Uh, who's the guy in Inspector Gadget? The oh, Dr. Dr. Claw. Dr. Claw. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, we find out after 40 minutes, Dr. Claw is Billy Baldwin. Nothing like a good uh, third of the way through the movie reveal. Yeah. I'm like, oh. I imagine probably. Okay, yeah. I mean, him or Berenger, I guess. Certainly not yeah. the lowly electrician, red haired, oh, no, who's like I looking know. at him. Oh, but yes. You get in the he first has shot. a mega wall of uh, surveillance <laughs> TVs. Yeah. But um, when she finds out that uh, 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 Billy Baldwin. Oh, I lost my train of thought, but it'll oh. come back. It'll come back. It'll come back. Well, I mean, let's just dive in. Yes. Yeah. Because, first of all, like. Today, yesterday, I watched it yesterday. You did as well. <gasps> mm-hmm. It was a cozy as hell day. It was pouring rain. Pouring rain. So already you're, you're one up movie. Like you're lucky. Sliver, it, you need all the help you can get, but you got a cozy day. Yeah. We're also living in this cozy kind of shadow of early daylight savings time. Yes. So it was getting super rainy, dark and stormy mm-hmm. uh, last night. And then this morning when I woke up, I know it rains really hard. When I have to wake up and put the old pots out to collect some rain that's leaking through. You got Yeah, it occasionally happens during big big rainstorms. Oh, yeah, yeah we had leakage. That issue too. Um uh so I watched the first half last night, watched the next half this morning. 
So to be able to like cozy up in a house while you hear little drip drips and uh, yeah, have a cup of coffee. It was a, oh, yeah. Oh, uh, you know, this is what I was just going to say. How did you, you go to bed not knowing? <laughs> <laughs> like, weren't you on? How did you sleep? <laughs> oh, oh, I remember now that when they finally reveal him as the yeah. like, this is a big deal. Yeah. Okay. You should bring up the fireworks. Yeah. And to your point of the greatest actor in the world with the greatest chemistry, like they couldn't pull this shit off. There's a part where when you finally find out it's him, he's sitting at his desk and he goes, he's looking, watching her sleep and he goes, good night, sleep tight. Don't let the bed bugs bite. (laughs) And I was like, I can imagine the position they were in on set, which is like, these are the words. If I say this seriously or like, suspiciously or whatever at all, people will laugh yeah. out loud. Yeah. So instead his only choice is to go, good night, sleep tight. Don't let the bed bugs bite. Like, so he's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> like he's sitting in a huge room with all these TV screens and his big nefarious line is don't let the bed bugs bite. How would you deliver that? I'm trying to think of that. Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. To, your, to your point. Let's try to like, give it two earnest readings of you're, you're in this movie, you're cast in this This is role. like the, the pretzels are making me thirsty scene in Seinfeld. Yes. <laughs> okay. okay, so you are very aware if you don't nail this, it's going to be a laugh line, an unintentional laugh line. So with all earnestness, try to okay. try that With the... A proviso or whatever that this cannot be done. No, well. I yeah, I don't think okay. I'm capable of this, but go ahead. <laughs> Good night. Sleep tight. <laughs> <laughs> don't let the bed bugs bite. <laughs> okay. This is Wolfman Jack. Sign it off. Okay, here we go. I'm gonna give it my best. So I'm at the I'm in my chair right now. So my intention is I really care for this woman. I'm just trying to actually act. This. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, the script scene, the scene seems to be confused about if he's evil doing yeah. this or if he's just like a loving. But as an actor, I got to make a choice. Figure. He, he, he. <laughs> Christoph. I think in Truman Show, Christoph is a metaphor for God. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Good night. Sleep tight. Don't let the peg bugs bite. Hey, that was good. Oh, God, it's creepy. It's creepy as hell. But that should be, I mean... uh, Your only choice is creepy. Yeah. Oh, my God. Boy, oh, boy. Chef boy or boy. Chef boy or boy. Oh, man. This movie... I will say this. It's worth watching. This is like a, a worthy watch because there's so much... I never. They never never say how the old man died, right? So in this version, it's just he actually did fall. But clearly, I figured this out without watching. Yeah, they're like, oh, so and so, his mom fell in the shower. It's too much of a coincidence that Gus fell in the shower too. But I figured this out without watching the original cut. That Uh clearly William Baldwin killed him because he installed all that camera stuff for him because he's a camera specialist and he doesn't want anybody to know. Yeah. But then again, I thought someone was going to die on that very clear MacGuffin volcano and that didn't happen in either version. (laughs) And so, yeah, it's either he accidentally died or like Behringer and some weird long... I mean, they're... Just to work backwards, like any great mystery does. (laughs) That last 20 seconds... or backwards. (laughs) Last 20 seconds... Of oh. 
glancing over conveniently at a surveillance tape oh. that you haven't seen yet for whatever reason. You just haven't conveniently seen it yet. Well, full on killer turns his head. That's him. And looks guilty. Like, looks like, who are you? I've been done. That that scene feels like a rushed reshoot. Like, they only got one take. Oh, it feels like the kid who was writing a short story (laughs) due for class five minutes before class. Uh, She looks over the screen and he looks over the screen and he knows it. He looks in the screen like he's guilty. Uh, And then she looks over at William Baldwin, who is clearly a bad guy and should get his comeuppance. He's watching children be molested and not reporting it until he's caught. Neither is she, which is so crazy. No, that's what's so weird about this movie. It goes from our main protagonist having evidence of sexual abuse within a family, then witnessing those, seeing those people in an elevator. And doing nothing. And still doing nothing. Oh, jeez. It's such a bonkers, misaligned uh, oh, movie. Oh, my God. Is, um, this, is Esther House American or is he, like, from Europe? I think he's a full-blooded American. Uh, you know, he worked with Verhoeven. Yeah. So uh, uh, is, maybe is that what you're thinking? He's got a European sensibility. Just that sort of like skew to the point of like something gives you the shivers. I don't mean to generalize European filmmakers, but I mean, Verhoeven gives me that. No, yeah. It's just, uh, I see what you're saying. It's just like Hollywood. They're in the business of comforting you. Yeah. And there's some people who aren't. And uh, yeah, Hollywood... They suck for that reason, that they're constantly trying to make you feel comfortable. Uh, But yes, uh, Joe Esterhouse's ways of shaking you up are so... I mean, uh, uh, Showgirls just has dialogue that you can put on a mantle. They're so... uh, uh, Did I ever tell you I did watch um, Showgirls in... uh, Oh, we'll go back to the ending real quick, the rush ending. Okay. In, In my film class... You watch Showgirls? Yeah. Oh. Uh, in college, I took a contemporary filmmaking class. And I'm signing up because I'm hoping all 12 weeks are us watching Hollywood movies. Oh, right. I think you did tell me this. And the yeah. contemporary cinema was uh, global, which is fine. Yeah. Oh, I get to watch a bunch of movies all around the world that are coming out in the last year or two. That'll be fun. Uh, truly. But then when it got to the Hollywood, it was Showgirls. Our teacher was such a funny snob that he was like, here's a version of contemporary Hollywood filmmaking, Showgirls. It's all vile shit. Uh, uh, But that ending, that yeah, this guy who still should get his... And you have to imagine, okay, Berenger, I guess, is dead. He died earlier, so he's been caught. So that's okay that he, you know, he did get his comeuppance. And then William Baldwin, you're like, she knows that he's bad. And I guess they'll pull the plug on all these TVs because she shot him up. But then it ends with her saying, turning off the TV, TVs saying, get a life. And then it immediately fading out. Get a life. Fade out. Like, they faded out so quickly because, you know, to do a dissolve or a fade to black, you have to have footage as long as the fade goes. That quick fade tells me they cut right away. Right before she went, where's my check for the reshoot? Yeah. Yeah. So, Uh, Esther House was born in Hungary. Oh, okay. And I think he came here in college, but I was so curious what... What his late works are. Uh, 
His latest thing is Children of Glory 2006. Oh, he did the Alan Smithy film too. Remember that? Yeah, that one's great. Wow. I love that movie. Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> wow. I love that movie. It nods and shit. Um, uh, oh, you know, I loved my entertainment weeklies when I was a little yeah. boy. And uh, I remember reading the response to Sliver and somebody, it was in an article about sliver about somebody went and saw it on opening weekend and when the movie ended i didn't know it ended with her saying get a life i just knew she said it because apparently when she said it somebody in the theater she said get a life and they went get a movie <laughs> <laughs> that would have, that would have been she's fun. in the attic <laughs> uh, okay so okay. uh yeah we'll dive right in the um i think if anybody knows sliver for anything it's the ub40 cover of can't help falling in love. Yeah, that was I would also uh, ubiquitous. I don't think you'd know it for this, but I was immediately taken with the fake Enigma song. Turns out is actually Enigma. Yeah, and then uh, Enigma of Enigma. They wanted her to do the whole score, I think, and then she was like, "I'm gonna do one song." But what's the Enigma? What's her main song? Sa Oh, that did sound like yeah. Uh, and also that song was like Massive Attack I love yeah. that like late 80s early 90s like the club can be soft and oh, still sexual yeah. yeah everything but the girl is that but yeah. um, Enigma had a second hit I think off of the next album that was like a return to innocence oh. hi 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 <laughs> oh. uh, I want that to be mashed up with uh, uh, uh. Oh, Tarzan Boy? Oh, yeah. Night's the night. Okay. We've done physical. The um oh 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 so just to complete the big chill yes please thing, we still have Mary Kay Place Joe Beth Williams is in Polter guys oh so, so we got we got a bingo card we're going for yes here. okay yeah give me who we need Gold Bloom we could do I think with the fly but we're too yeah. scared to watch the fly but we are? that could eventually be how we get our yuppie why are we too because it's gross. Oh, I am. Yeah, it's too gross. Oh, I watched it a couple years ago. Oh, you're not too scared. I'm no, too scared. I like the fly, but it I'll is pretty the gross. Fly. I'll watch the fly. Is there anything else that he's? There must be something else horror wise. I mean, Jurassic Park isn't quite right, but yeah, Mary Kay Place, um, and then the William Hurt. Video William drawing? Hurt. If we had done Body Heat, oh, Body which Heat, isn't yeah. entirely yuppie nightmare. It's, I mean, maybe it is I a bit. I think it's in, in there enough. Yeah, is uh, Videodrome. Game, video drum is game. Yeah. Why? Who's it? Isn't he in that? What am I thinking of? Altered states. Sorry. Altered states. Yeah, 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 that'd be good. Yeah. Um. So, yay, we got a lot, lot of movies to watch on this podcast. So eventually, we'll be able to fill up that bingo. Let's just take a look chill. at Mary Kay Place and see if there's bingo a, chill anything. card. Is that what we're calling it? Oh, the yeah. bingo chill. Bingo chill. <laughs> Let's just see if Mary Kay Place has anything that might work. Yeah. Oh, and Joe Beth Williams post Big Chill. Oh, 
because she did Poltergeist before. Oh, so if there was count. some more like America knows the big Jill cast are our yuppies. Yeah. Now we want I to see, see them experience the most heinous nightmares. <laughs> the most <laughs> diabolical. Okay, let's see. Most nefarious member. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm looking here. Nothing's coming up. I don't know what act of love. Is Mary Kay plays in modern problems or whatever. <laughs> Chevy Chase. Oh, is she? TK yes, she is. She plays Lorraine. Oh, so I got to go post Big Chill. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, Sorry, Matt. Those are the rules that I didn't establish. No, Somebody that's else true. did. You're right. You're right. Um, okay. Um, uh, I'm. Oof. Uh, crazy from the heart. Uh, no, Captain Ron. No. Uh, uh, oh, in the line of duty, the price of vengeance. No. Uh, oh boy, then she's Captain Ron much... does feel the comic yuppie nightmare of like the what about Bob sort of thing of like <sighs> the thriller is this annoying person uh, she can't get rid of moved to a lot of TV girl interrupted committed I don't know what that is uh, nailed uh, ooh, uh, mm, uh, <laughs> okay oh, sweet home Alabama. Uh, uh, the handler, uh, so maybe not killer diller, hmm. um, numbers. It's too bad because oh. I think out of that cast, Mary Kay Place is my favorite. Oh, really? I haven't seen The Big Chill in so long. We have to complete once we complete the bingo. We have to watch that. Yes. Um, I'm I'm just so curious here. Uh, and if we wanted to do, you know, the Kevin Costner's wrists. In the big chill. Oh, yeah. We could. I think Kevin Costner has plenty of thrillers we can watch. Californication. No, that's a TV. A country Christmas Matt, story. Matt, watch your mouth. <laughs> Words like fornication. I don't even care if it isn't a funny portmanteau. <laughs> Boy, you know what? I don't know. Da a pair is a short that looks David, scary. David, David. This is the agent I made calling it David Dukovny. <laughs> David, David, we got a hot script for you that they want you to star in. And then David Duchovny says to his agent, what have I said? If it's not a portmanteau title, I'm not interested. David! I did the X-Files. That was for you. This one's for me. Okay, dude. Yeah, you're right. I forgot. You probably wouldn't be interested in reading the pilot script for... California Cation. <laughs> yeah. I'll do it. It's a portmanteau. You're going to do it. I'll do it. Sight unseen. Yeah. It's a portmanteau. I'll do it. Um, I had a friend who was really funny when David Duchovny uh, had to come out and be like, um, yes, I'm married to Taya Leone, but I have to admit I'm a sex addict. Um, my friend thought he, it was his way of admitting like, I just love to have sex with Taya Leone. And she's like, it's enough. <laughs> no, it was his way of basically being like, I'm a dog. I cheats. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but if it was just like, oh, how wholesome. I know. This, this guy just loves the sexing it up with his wife too much. Um, the last two T's I went across with this yuppie nightmare thing. And then maybe take a bathroom break. Yeah. Um, these yuppie nightmares, we did them in time order, but yeah. real quick, can we think about what would they be actually in life 
order, like how people like because yeah, because weirdly, slivers like before marriage, before kids, before owning a oh, home. Right. So sliver would almost be like the first or fear. Fear, fear but fear could be the other way, which is like it's the uh-huh. final one. It's the dad mm-hmm. now has a teenage daughter, and now you start with fear and you end with fear. But at the end, that's good. You change on who your relationship. It's Mark Wahlberg has a daughter. <laughs> Perfect. That's yeah. good. Book ended by fear, and then Pacific Heights. They're not married, so you go yes, yeah, Sliver Pacific Heights, right? Yeah, because it goes from I'm single and I'm moving into a new place. To I'm now dating somebody and we're moving into a new place. Yeah. Then uh, I think Fatal Attraction, Marriage and Kid, or Marriage. Does Sleeping with the Enemy come before because it's Marriage and Divorce before Marriage and Kid? In terms of stages? Yeah, I think so. Okay. So the first marriage was the Marriage and Divorce, Sleeping with the Enemy. Then a remarriage, (laughs) Fatal Attraction, Kid. Yeah. Then, then raising Cain, hand the rocks to cradle. Yeah. Like I now have a kid who goes to school, but yeah. we also have a nanny. Then consenting adults. Then consenting adults. My child is grown and going off to her her music school. Yeah. And that's also maybe then when fear is happening. Yeah. Do we skip any? Um, I don't. That's just another alternate way that people. That's can pretty good. Wash it. The yeah. last thing I wanted to just bring up was. I had a misconception about these movies before going in. And I think it was maybe because single white female, she's an outsider trying to get in. Mm. But all of these movies, the yup, the bad guy has always been essentially a fellow yuppie has been a yuppie. You thought it was going to come from outside. I thought it was yeah. going to be like, we're yuppies. And the nightmare is that this outside force, but it always, even like Kevin Spacey and Michael Keaton, they might make their money in criminal ways, but it's they still live a yuppie lifestyle. They, they still have a yuppie lifestyle. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. Just wondering why that is. Like, why you would. It positions basically the audience as you're yuppies too. We're all yuppies here. And some of our fellow yuppies tried to mess things up for us. I don't know if it would be unpleasant for a movie audience to go and have to be like, I am identifying with the, uh, you know, the big third rail. I think in movies is class. People Mm. just do not like to go to the movies and think some people, (laughs) at least in that time period. Yeah. So I, I don't know if you were going to these movies and it was about, I'm not a yuppie or I am a yuppie and, there's some people who don't have what I have and they want what is that just not a fun? Yeah. Maybe. Don't make me think about money in class right now. Oh, probably. But I, I don't know when you're talking about, and this is generalizing again, boomers and the nineties. I don't even think that was a concern. Honestly, I think because you could still walk the streets every day and not have to be you not have to question your own like, class or anything like that well the yes the um 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 the uh the disparity um <laughs> in class certainly was uh exponentially growing at the time it's just maybe it wasn't being clocked no, it <laughs> as was much as it is people, now. <laughs> like yeah rich people and yuppies were walking around with impunity still 
and the culture wasn't reflecting any kind of conscience about it, yeah. unless it was something so big, like um, like stand and deliver or something. You know what I mean? It was I mean, it that, unless that's the yeah. theme of the movie. I don't think you're gonna get those little flickers of consciousness because I don't think they were there of conscience. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I guess in consenting adults. So we did talk about how it is like latter stage where it is supposed to be kind of like. There's wealth, and then there's conspicuous wealth, and Kevin Spacey is bad because yeah. he's driving on motorcycles out of his trailer into his garage. That's just a little too showy. He owns an Uzi. Granted, it's a mini Uzi. <laughs> Still. Oh, I can't wait to revisit Consentio. I know, someday. man. I I'm was... like really stoked to watch that end again with the Uzi. Me too. I didn't know what I had when I watched that. That movie's <laughs> rising in my esteem. That's pulling a body double on me. Again, I mean, that's why we need next month to do our re-rankings. Because yeah. a lot of these movies, they do grow in a... Uh, they're kind of like a shower. How so? They're growing esteem. Oh, yeah. Hmm, that sucked. No, it didn't. I, I, you know, I'll bump this movie sliver up one whole number and I'll tell you why. Because Tom Berenger looks like carbonite frozen Han Solo <laughs> in this movie. Yes, he <laughs> Do does. Do you know what I mean? He just. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, I'll give a. This is like sort of this lacquered. Yeah, and, and just sweaty. He has those full lips that. For some reason, that cast they took of Harrison Ford when he's frozen in carbonite, he has really full lips to the point when I was a kid and I, I got Empire Strikes Back trading cards before I saw the movie, and it said full out Han, Fro Han Solo frozen in carbonite. But I was looking at that going like, I don't, that doesn't look like him. Who is that? Do you think that was like one of those first like um, TikTok like filter, um, like a carbonite that kind of gives you fuller lips? <laughs> Carbon fillers. Carbon fillers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, we've joked too about how uh, well something happened when Han got put in that carbonite before he got taken out. Somehow he got a hold of thirty cheeseburgers. <laughs> I guess. I guess. How did that feed, happen? I guess they feed you pretty well in there, huh? Is it like a a bear uh, in a hibernation where you kind of collect? Body fat. I'm kidding. You We're teasing the most exercise. handsome man oh, uh, in movies. Oh, so wait, no. we kid. Um, um, oh, oh, when you were saying just giving it a point, I will say with Sliver, as baffling and incomprehensible and what a bad, you know, just a, how you define a bad movie, bad movie. So pleasurable to look at. Yeah. It's so seductive. Like yeah. every image is that like my set dar went off when oh, yeah. uh that fake outdoor oh yeah courtyard in the, in the oh yeah amazing. I wish I could live in a fake walk through a fake outdoor cart courtyard to like uh, a fake apartment. Because that's a, a Z Z Vilma Zygmunt. Who, who? Yes. Yeah. Zygmunt. That, that's another example of the like 70s greats coming I out know. in the early 90s just to be like, what tool, how can we use our tools to give you a boner? And America. Yet, <laughs> deliver the worst sex you've ever had. It's that like, sex scene is I'm just so talking as a metaphor, but yes, oh, that is well. Non-erotic. Oh, no. I said that to Amanda, too. We watched it and just like, that's the least erotic thing I've seen. And this movie should be super erotic. 
it's uh i mean we laughed and thought it was there was some goofy stuff in fatal attraction but it was the sexiest scene oh for sure and then this is just like they're getting worse and worse because consenting adults was really yeah well and so um you know what it was Uh, it was like in fatal attraction it felt spontaneous and messy yeah and in these they're so both of them have that same similar shot of a woman on her side with this like her hip is a mountainscape oh, like yeah. whatever that yeah. shot of like a lady w- laying right. on her side with her sheet half they didn't consent in adults and sliver i partly like i know that uh the aids crisis was like happening when fatal attraction you know we talked about at the time when it came out people like oh is this a metaphor for like going around and fucking around now can get you killed uh but the antiseptic clinical nature of the consenting adults yeah it does feel sort of post condom safe set hollywood is now starting to like yeah i mean i know a year before with basic instinct the big thing was Oh, you see a woman's vagina without wearing underwear. Yeah. So that was pretty provocative. Um, But um, by sliver point, it does feel pretty. Can you answer something for me? When when they're first like going through foreplay and he wants to take off her shirt. What if you're asking me now, like, how do you do it? Yeah. 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 Is it, you just, you just do it? What do you, where, do, where do I where do I put everything and when um, she goes no don't and like puts her hand on her stomach and it, it was so pointed that I thought like does she have a scar and also the way she's looking at her belly in the beginning did she have a miscarriage all there's yeah. so much weight given to that and then you just learn she's no she's just a little insecure there was never a thing yeah but that moment when she's looking in the mirror at the beginning of the movie I did wonder. It was confusing. Is this supposed to be about a woman looking at herself, at her body, um, and just watching it, how she's aging? But now we know it's the actress going, no, I don't want to be in this movie. Leave my shirt she's on. holding I her don't stomach want, of like, I'm going to barf. I don't want William uh, Baldwin touching me. <laughs> but um, the... Uh, <laughs> the um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Uh, um, it was baffling. It was, yeah. The whole movie is baffling in that sense of where you think it's leading. Oh, yeah. I thought it was a miscarriage or a what would my stomach look like if I was pregnant right now? Because she would go yeah. and watch people like being together and and in a weird way, it was like another version of Rosemary's baby again. It's like yeah. Somebody who's kind of left at home being pregnant versus somebody left at home wishing they were. It's so similar. And it's just like the building and all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, this building though is the most fucking basic looking building in the world. I'm a little shocked that this like movie that is supposed to be like high gloss. I don't know. It's just kind of like a brick building yeah, that just, goes up high. Where Where is that? I wonder. I, imagine you're like, uh, come over to my place. Where do you live? I'm in the Sliver building. What? The building from the movie Sliver. Oh, from the movie. Yes. I thought, I think you said the, the, the Silver building. Like, <laughs> Throw a rock, you'll hit a Silver building. No, no, no. The Sliver building. Um, um, in this scenario, hey man, I know you live in the sliver building. Yeah. Could I just pop in and use your bathroom real quick? I gotta 
Sliver. <laughs> yeah, you, you take a sliver? Yeah, sure. is that okay? Yeah, we'll be right back. With Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. With Corley and Rust. We're back. We're back. And we're bar room buddies, and that's the best kind. Uh, we were listening to Clint Eastwood sing Bar Room Buddies right now. With Merle Haggard. With yeah. Merle Haggard. Um, before I forget, Matt, uh, I haven't seen this online, and I actually just did the math right now during our break. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, this feels like they happened close together, these two events. I looked it up. They were one day, a Thursday, the next day, a Friday. What events? <clears throat> Are you I was watching this? When I was watching Sliver last night, Yeah, I was like, that guy, Gus, who dies, oh. that's, he owns Melville's above Cheers. That's who that actor is? Yeah, he owns the, the restaurant above who's always uh, like, Sam, oh, right. mm, I'm not too happy. But then he has... He, Shacks up with Carla and stuff. Uh, 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 okay, so the first time I see him, I'm just like, that's Mel, the guy who owns Melville. Uh, 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 I think Sliver came out uh, spring 93, and I think the Cheers finale came out in spring 93. Okay, so then I'm watching some more. Then Behringer is in there. Now, Behringer is in the Cheers finale as the love interest. For Kirstie Alley's character. Rebecca. Yeah, for Becca. There is a moment when Sharon Stone oh first God. gets introduced to Behringer where he's walking across a restaurant that looks exactly like Melville's. And I'm like, that's weird. If somebody saw Tom Behringer walking through a fancy restaurant again, you'd be like, I just saw that in Cheers. I looked it up. The Cheers finale was Thursday, May 20th, 1993. Sliver came out Friday, May 21st, 1993. So the many people in America watched the Cheers finale, saw Tom Berenger at a fancy restaurant and Melville, and then went to the movie and then saw them. So Melville, Cheers closes, and the guy that runs Melville... Hops on a train, goes from Boston to New York, where he actually lives. Yes, commutes and while he's dies. an adjunct professor, and then dies in the shower. Yeah, and then Behringer, I guess, leaves Becca, and then even though right. in that he's uh, 
he's an everyman. He's like a blue collar guy. Yeah. And we're just so happy for Becca because finally she's just going for love. She's not going for a guy who has money. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, I'm surprised that wow. that That's um, amazing connection hasn't been the sliver verse the headline and the cheers of every verse? newspaper since then. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that Melville's there too is the headline. <laughs> um, okay, now uh, logo loco, Paramount logo. This kicks off that real trend now that's just around forever, which is it doesn't have to be the theme music for the logo. It can be the score music yeah. if you want it to be. You're also starting to get a bunch of production cards at this point. There's yep. What? Two? Yeah. Three. Yes. And so many names. Regency. Yeah. Lots of, uh, this has gone through the works. Yeah. Lots of people. Yeah. Uh, and still nothing came out. <laughs> yeah. Um, then those opening credits, I thought they were very cool, yeah. like black and white surveillance yeah, yeah, footage. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, we see all these names. Robert Evans, Sharon Stone, we talked about. Berenger, we talked about. Yeah, I just don't have any strong... I like Tom Berenger a lot and stuff. I do, too. He's an interesting guy. I mean, you know how many times I saw Platoon, and he's, mm -hmm. he's so good in that movie. Mm -hmm. I always wonder... He's one of those people where his career never quite rose past that. If anything, it kind of sunk a little. Yeah. Do you think he's difficult to work with or mm. bad choices or that cool thing that we sometimes talk about or where maybe he's just like, man, I don't want to do that much. But then yeah. he did work. He just made a lot of kind of low rent things. And then Christopher Nolan did that thing where he brought him back kind of like he did with Eric Roberts. Yes. And you don't know, like, is there a slight pulling from nostalgia there what's yeah. going on with tom berenger tom berenger's yeah you're right he is in a lot of noirs and stuff like someone to watch over me and uh uh shattered and stuff so there's something about his edge i mean i know him mainly from major league that's my yeah. berenger so i know yeah. him as like a comic guy but yeah listener what's your berenger what's your berenger get your berenger um uh, it's really funny. Uh, a friend of mine, a writer, Dave King, he, uh, remember that movie, What's Your Number? That was about how many times somebody had sex. No, I don't. He had a funny joke was like, uh, what's your, what's your number number? The amount of times you've watched What's Your Number? <laughs> Mine's zero. <laughs> yeah, it's zero for you. Sex. Both times for me, zero. Yeah. Um, the, um, and then, yeah, this opening death where she falls off uh, the ledge or she gets pushed off. Yeah. I saw some wires. Did you? Yeah, I saw some From, wires when she was falling oh, down. Oh, because they're using the Dar Robinson uh, Excel decelerator. Yeah. Dar, Dar. Yeah, Dar Robinson. And then I love stuntmen, but in classic, they love to ham it up fashion. Uh -huh. When you're falling, you're, I guess yeah. your limbs just go entirely banana. Like... Uh, you, this kind of like yeah. that over kind of enunciated gesture thing that stuff would do. I, what do you do if you're falling? I wonder like when you get, and I guess it's different jumped versus pushed. Your body probably does different things. That's true. But I would just think you're kind of, your body just goes like, you're, right? You're not. 
Maybe you're know. clutching that air, thinking that, oh God, that's a terrifying notion. I don't want to ever get. Well, I think you're probably doing ledge. instinctively doing that thing that a cat can do, where you can write yourself. So, like mm. in your brain, it's probably thinking you have to land on your feet, even though the logic is you're gonna turn into something the size of a manhole cover. <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. But it Um, wasn't that. And Sharon Stone has to be a pretty, I mean, she would have to feel pretty good that it's just like a year after Basic Instinct. And she's a big enough star that a movie can start with tricking you with her doppelganger. Right. Like she's a known enough person. Tricked Amanda. Tricked me. It did? Yeah. Oh, Oh. and it started, I was like, that's Sharon Stone. And then when it was later, like, oh, you look like her. I was like, well, they got me too. Mm. I thought it was her at the beginning. Not me. Not for a second, <laughs> buddy. Do you think they use Sharon Stone in a shot? Or do you think it was always- like from behind? Yeah. I don't think she was showing up for that. She wouldn't <laughs> even do coverage for her William Baldwin scene. So. <laughs> yeah, she's never not showing up for In fact, thing. if anything, this other girl's probably in a bunch of her scenes. <laughs> Any any coverage with uh, uh, William Baldwin where she's in the scene, it's her head and shoulder. Yeah, and Tom Berenger probably just stood in for William Baldwin. No? That was the worst stunt work she had actually had to do. <laughs> <laughs> was being in season with William Baldwin. The ego. Alec Baldwin has an ego, but he has talent to like back it up. I can't imagine somebody who's like has an ego and then also has the chip on their shoulder of like trying to make up for their being in their brother's shadow. Oh yeah. Well, you don't have to look far to find two others. <laughs> that big Baldwin block of cheese, the government cheese that we all got, and then just kind of throughout the 90s, yeah, slowly just took off like shaves. Shredded funny, chunks of like, Baldwin. Yeah, they just peeled away. First, Adam was dropped to the ground. Then... Ooh. Adam is... a The big... The big, like, lesser known of I was only thinking of Daniel, Stephen, and William. How did I totally forget about Adam? Yeah, there's big Adam. It's Adam, right? Sure, yes. I think so. And then, would you say, who's thrown to the floor next? Is it Stephen or William? After Alex already been pulled off? No, no I'm talking, like, who? who's <laughs> left? Who's the cream? Sorry, different metaphor. So first, the cream rises to the top. That's Alec. Yeah. Pretty shitty cream. Well, this is what I'm getting at. <laughs> it's like you're peeling away Adam, then arguably William, then Stephen. I see. And you're left with the cream of the crop. And then as time goes on, you realize, ooh, I should have sold when I had some William stock or some <laughs> some Christian Stephen stock. Yes. Maybe Adam was the yes. best all along. Yes. Um uh, the Baldwin parents, they must be proud. I mean, yeah. Oh. Um, the, uh, um, do you think the Baldwins and the Wahlberger parents get together and like, our boys can do no wrong. They, uh, they can, they can nail any performance or any person in the face with their fist. <laughs> Um, I do love Stephen Baldwin in Usual Suspects, though. Yeah, he's good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he had a short window, that guy. <laughs> uh, that's how he um, gets into places. Yeah. The um, Okay, can we talk about the 
to Pearl Jam references. Can we talk about this character, this woman? Oh, the total, the guy in a movie who's usually a male character who wears a Hawaiian shirt and saying details, my man, details, is now just written as... Her coworker. This is that '90s feminism. They think all you got to do is turn her into a man. Yeah, Joe Esterhaus is like my first feminist. Yeah. She's talking about how she loves cum <laughs> <laughs> openly. That's what's really radical about uh, my work at Sliver here. These um, Pearl Jam jokes age as poorly as the Beatles joke in Goldfinger. <laughs> where it's like drinking Dom Perignon below whatever certain amount of degrees is like listening to the Beatles without earmuffs. And Bond, of all people, says Yeah, this. Bond. Yeah. Hey, you unhip. You got your Sinatra records. Yeah. You're listening, you're putting down. When you're Careful, making buddy. With- you're going to have one of those Beatles doing your theme song in a matter right. of three, three, less than three years. In Damn, because which one was it in? Live and Let Die. No, but his uh, Beatles. Goldfinger, like 64. Uh, Nine years. You're going to be eating those words. Eating up those words. Not me. It should be Roger Moore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry for that guy. <laughs> Uh, um, the uh, uh, <laughs> uh, it's not too late to get Ringo to do a title sequence. All right, that'd be uh, great. He just changes the lyrics to photograph. What's photograph? Uh, the Death uh, Leopard song. In the photo. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, that is a good song. Uh, yeah, um, that's a good one. <laughs> the um, oh oh, with Colleen Camp as the the yeah. friend though, making the Pearl Jam references. If people at this time were big Sharon Stone Pearl Jam fans, hey, they already got her hosting SNL with musical guest Pearl Jam. And there's that weird monologue. It's pretty unfunny where she's like recreating the interrogation scene and they cut to different people being in the audience being like, hamina, hamina, (laughs) including Pearl Jam. Like the whole band is supposed to be like, and Dave, she's a babe, which is just funny. Like, yeah. okay, you sure? Uh, but uh, that monologue was, um, uh, they use, I think, the rehearsal recordings of the thing because it was uh, protested uh, by um, ACT UP. Uh, glad people who were upset about the uh. representation of gays and lesbians in Basic Instinct. And so what a weird set to be on or stage to be on of like we were setting up the camera for the joke about Pearl Jam getting boners for Sharon Stone yeah. uh, but then some protesters came like how would Pearl Jam feel about that they seem to be guys who uh, I don't know it seems like no set with Sharon Stone could ever be fun she's a talented actress but she just seems like <sighs> I know somebody who worked with her and the stories I got she seemed cool. Really? But yeah, do you think she like, did one of those had to self re-self-evaluate mm, and be like, I either, I'm gonna li- I'm gonna go Burt Reynolds and never work again or Chevy Chase, or I gotta kind of pull a Robert Downey Jr. in a yeah, tone for my bet. Yeah. Yeah, and like I gotta be cool again. And you know, she just seemed I don't know, like but yeah. she was probably facing a lot of bullshit. Well, I just sure. think, yeah, every that world. You just hear the story like, uh, oh my God. Yeah. The shit she must have had slung her way, uh, probably was pretty terrible. Um, 
Just people who think they're being funny by like referencing that, like you're not wearing underwear. Can you imagine every restaurant she probably went to and everybody just turning their. (laughs) Oh, and and the reference to the sliver? I mean, oh, no, I was thinking of the. Yeah, but two years in a row about her not having underwear. Yeah, that scene, the scene in this restaurant. That (laughs) restaurant scene is maybe. The most ludicrous scene we've watched of Yuppie Nightmares, at least. Also, they keep calling it this poker scene, but he literally has nothing to lose. He's putting nothing on the table and he's like, right. like I'll risk it. What? 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 Have you guys played poker? Are you like Paul and you've never played it? <laughs> and the yeah, it was almost like a comedy sketch. <laughs> but also the fact that she's like, it's so... Not erotic that she doesn't seem to be into it. She 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 like shows her bra and she's like, "Is that good? Yeah. Ooh, sexy!" <laughs> Woman asking in public if this was sexy. Yeah. So weird. Yeah. It'd be more sexy if the guy's on his heels. Yeah, and he's I don't know. Maybe I just have a different. But it just seems weird no, to be kind of like right. you have to do this. Oh, I have to continue upholding the patriarchy of like undressing when you ask me to. Sex, but I'm in control, right? Yeah, because <laughs> I'm into control. That that exchange between her and Tom Berenger too about control. Wild. All these just like sexual politics that I think Joe Esterhouse, like another 13 year old creator, is just like I understand adult. This is what sex is. Yeah, uh, I it was Sherry. Lansing's first movie as head of Paramount. Uh, and you go, well, could any sort of radical, uh, erotic movie that isn't have some misogynist bent even be made when just the funnel it comes out of is yeah. that it's, it's impossible. Yeah. You could have <laughs> everybody uh, associated with that, like having good intentions yeah. and just the way things are absorbed. Yeah. It automatically becomes a, yeah. Baffling. Um, now, uh, 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 I like that the, the Gus character, uh, Oh, Oh, when she first moves in, <laughs> When she's walking in and she has under her arm a box of Evian water, I was like, that's like when somebody has a Halloween costume for a yuppie and they have to like have a prop. (laughs) What are you? Then you're like, look at this. Oh, you're a yuppie. That's funny. (laughs) Um, The... uh, um, I like that Gus taught a psychology of the lens course, oh which doesn't pay God. off at all. No, but boy, is it there with all the themes of this movie and every camera and every shot, there's a camera following someone. And I think I understand. Yeah. Even he like hits it so hard. The psychology of the lens, any camera Ugh. film, but also surveillance videos. The, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah, uh, 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 contemplating pregnancy. Uh, now at 14 minutes, this is when we're like, something's up here. At Wait, this is place. this before or after she's playing golf in her underwear? Sorry, this, yes, this happens before this. Okay, so, like, this has to be peak yuppie. 
just this woman in a button-up shirt and underwear putting. Doing that yuppie golf thing of the putting the cup or whatever the- But the, doesn't she have an actual green? Like one of those putting- Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Sorry. Putting game things. Yes, yes, so yes. So this sorry. is one of the first things she set up in her apartment. Yep. While a big I, TV up, roaring fireplace. Yeah. And then that like- Sexy wearing a man's uh, yeah. but, uh, underwear. And then it's so funny that I kept thinking there was a trauma in her life that she's working through. But when she's watching people party and be like, oh, I wish I could uh, go there. Or seeing people snuggle after sex and being like, oh, I wish I had that. It's not like agoraphobia or anything. She's just shy. I think like that's her, what's her so problem baffling. is shyness. Yes. It's shyness and b- b- underdevelopment of character. It's, yes. it's another other thing. I don't know what to say. Would that be funny if if she was like, I can't go out to parties, and somebody's like, Let me go, and they bring out a typewriter and they type. She um, loves flowers. Your character loves flowers, and she goes, oh, I want to go to a party because now I can talk about flowers with people. <laughs> <laughs> like that That's is always- just the reason that was keeping her. She's not fully developed, <laughs> not a fully developed character. <laughs> what if somebody says something about a volcano? Then don't worry. You don't even have to respond. Oh, okay. He'll keep talking about volcanoes. He'll talking about the volcano. Don't worry. Don't worry. Cause that art in his apartment was like a simulacrum or whatever of a, of a volcano. Yeah. It was like a, it's like a glass or steel sharp, I just was certain someone was going to fall on that. Did somebody? Did 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 I see yuppie cubes there? The glass yuppie cubes in his apartment for oh, a moment. Good question. And somebody uh, pointed out that did. they were in Raising Cane, and we didn't point it out. Oh, that's important because this does have a couple. It has the scrapbook microfiche. Yes, trope. it does. It has the mixer, the cocktail party. Yes, it does. Is there no nopey in this? Right. Yeah, we're. I mean, they do have a scene with cops, kind of being like. But it's not really a, our hands are tied. We can't, you have to, the yeah. law can't handle this. If right. anything, <laughs> I mean, that scene when Tom Berenger gets arrested, just, you just, could do a funny comparison of the interrogation scene in Basic Instinct, where it's a room full of guys on the other side of a line staring at yeah. her as object. And in this, he's in the center of the guys all around him and just freely Hold smoking court. cigarettes with the cops, speculating with the boys about who could have framed him. I know. like It's because he used to be a journalist and we assume had some relationship with the cops as, as an investigative reporter or I mean, something? I love the oh, Esther man. House writer stand-in that he is, that he's like, yeah, I write sex and violence books because they make money. What's the problem? <laughs> but that the, the, the wire crossed over in his brain that he automatically, because Esther Howe thinks he's charming. Yeah. This guy who jumps out at people when they're jogging in the park. Yeah. Dressed in a hoodie. And uh, in a hoodie. Yeah. That's when he was like, yeah, I do that to pick up girls. I was like, if there ever was a line from Joe Esterhouse's mouth, yeah. I'm sure he's jumped out at people and scared them to be like, do you want to go on a date with me, baby? Oh. What was that quote that Robert Evans said about Philip Noyce that Brantley put in there that is so brutal but tells you what you're dealing with here? Do you remember this? It's um, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what? Where is it? Um, 
Sorry. No, go for it. Um. Uh, uh, oh, while you're looking that up, I have a story, a firsthand account of a Martin Landau weird thing. Oh, yeah. Martin Landau, Landau, great actor. If I tell a story about him where he doesn't come off as a great guy, yeah, don't let that bother you. I'm okay. Okay. So curious. Or it can bother you. Who cares? Uh, 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 I mean, who, not who cares if it bothers you. It's just who cares about Martin Landau, maybe seeming like a pig. I can't find My that. friend met. Martin Landau and at, at an event uh, when she was college age and Martin Landau struck up a conversation with her. This is probably in the early aughts. Um, and the thing I remember him say, she told me that he said this to her. And when you're making a romance film, a romantic film, you got to make it from the heart. But when you make a sex picture, you got to make it from the crotch. Oh, good. So maybe you couldn't find the sleazy Evans quote you wanted yeah. at that point, but I gave you one via Thank another you. person involved in Sliver, Martin Lando. Did you find it? Or? No, but it was just him saying like similar. He said, you got to make like Esther House things from his dick. Oh, Philip Noyce thinks from his brain, or yeah, yeah it was yeah. like such a put down, but that he seems like a, a decent guy or something. <laughs> He's a decent guy, but he can't. Uh, yeah, <laughs> where's my Roman Polanski? <laughs> there ain't a decent guy been made that's ever made a successful skin flick. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, um. Philip Noyce also in the notes it was said he was like trying to quit smoking and stuff. It just yeah. seemed like he was in a bad yeah. place. Um, are, are we to the point where the professor dies? Um, because oh, why, why is there a paparazzi for this guy dying? Why is the news there like a celebrity has died? An NYU professor is dead. Oh, it could be that this apartment building is such I a story about guess. the death, but it's not because she never heard about it. And she had to do a lot of digging to but figure never, it out. But never, no one's put it together. You're right. right. She yeah. had to do it in the microfiche. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, good point. Uh, um, Oh, oh, sorry. Uh, another publishing person is in Gone Girl. Amy is like, her parents like publish books right. about her. And stuff too. Uh, but the, um, oh, oh, oh. And the thing I liked, um, was the the Pearl Jam thing was like Sharon Stone's cool. She doesn't want tickets to Pavarotti. She yeah. wants tickets to Pearl Jam. She, I like her. She wears a choker. She's oh, thirty five and wears a choker. There, when she opens the door for that party, and she has the short hair that's parted down the middle with the black yeah. choker. I was like, in nineteen ninety three or now, <laughs> when I would go visit my sister in college, that was. Everywhere, oh, yeah. Every person. So I was in college at this time, and that was exactly it. And so I saw her in this movie, and was like, "Wow, that's well." That, I went down a that hit me hard. I went down an Envy Gorley train uh, uh, yesterday, actually, because I've just I'm still on my Nirvana kick, and I was thinking Matt Gorley got to listen to "Smells Like Teen Spirit." When he was 18 years old, you were getting a song that like so. Yeah articulated something for what 
you guys were going through the first time and you get to like watch it. But Even Paul if you did, like, lost on me. I hate to disappoint you because I was just drop D2D. Well, <laughs> no, but I just hit the dorms and I was still like listening to Van Halen. Cool. And things like that. And yes, oh, cause they had right now and stuff during that time. Yeah. They had that. And I went to see that in concert. I think I told you Alice and Chains opened for them and were miserable cause they like clearly didn't want to be part of the Van Halen crowd. And, I mean, yeah, Smells Like Teen Spirit was huge and it was all over the dorms and I liked it and it was yeah. there, but I was just kind of like, I think it was like flew over my head a little bit. And I had a friend that was from Seattle who was, I think as far as I could tell, the real deal kind of grunge guy. And he was like, no, fuck that. You got to listen to these early albums uh, and Mud Honey and uh-huh. all this stuff. Yeah, and yeah. So I just felt like intimidated and in over my head. So I, I, I'm sorry to disappoint you. It wasn't until, I think Pearl Jam was the first that kind of grabbed me. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then, then I came back into And then you started getting into like alternative rock. Yeah. yeah like yeah. the cranberries. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's well documented on many podcasts that my nineties music were more, was more defined by bare naked ladies and crash chest dummies. <laughs> And, you know, the, well, uh, I, I, even though I liked and was well-versed of the yeah. popular versions of the grunge, I was by no means in on the any kind of ground floor. Yeah. Like that. I mean, well, I was like 13 in Iowa and just loving yeah. the, uh, uh, the anarchy that was uh, offered up by that. It was so, so fun. Uh, uh, but being a big Nirvana fan for like 30 years now or, you know, close to, uh, 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 I, you know, listen to all their songs and I love them, but it hasn't been until like the last two weeks where I've been like, wait, Oh, smells like teen spirit is actually like a really amazing song. Yeah, like I really just kind of took it for granted. Yeah. So similarly, I'll do that sometimes yeah. with like Led Zeppelin songs, because it's given to you at such a young age, you yes. never question it. And sometimes you just have to s- sit back and go, cause I don't own a single Led Zeppelin album because mm-hmm. it's always been there everywhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah, sometimes you'll hear it and you'll just go like, especially on a good yeah. speaker system or sound system. Yeah. And go, wow. Yeah. This really, amazing. If bands re- are recorded how they sound, it does a good service to them for later on. Yeah. But when you have to like listen to John Fogarty's center field comes on, it's like... Oh, yeah. You're like, yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Talk about cheese, a block of cheese. That's just like a big rotten milk. <laughs> it was like, I know that tasted good in 1985, but guys... This cheese has a shelf. Left. Yes. Um, anyway, you know, usually on all these episodes, we end up talking about Centerfield. <laughs> um, yes. So the professor dying. Also, there's just the indignity of that actor. He didn't need to have his little ass showing and stuff in the surveillance footage. Just give him a little bit of dignity. Oh, um, also, I totally prefer. Behringer to Baldwin and any of these constructs that they're giving of like, who's dangerous, who's sexy, who's like, William Baldwin from the get is such a creep. And that the fact that the movie hinges on, she's seen him be a creep. She's been a creep with him watching people. <laughs> but the, the fact where it finally crosses the line is when she's like, wait a minute, he had sex with women who he told me he didn't. 
<laughs> oh no 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 no! And how we got to get to the? It was such a weird uh, yeah. like. How at any point is William Baldwin supposed to read anything but non sleazy? Maybe if it was Brad Pitt, and he's just did the force of his charms are so great. I don't know. I don't know. What I think when you've got Robert Evans producing and Joe Esterhaus writing, you can't have a non sleaze non creep character. They think. Or you need someone like Michael knees. Douglas who can wear sleeves with a certain yeah. amount, amount of. Um, well, I remember when Aaron Eckhart came know. out, people were like, this could be my, the new Michael Douglas because oh. he's a good uh, bottle for. Huh. Like, because he was in that. Uh, the His first breakthrough was the. What was the movie about? Neil uh, Labute's. Thank two scuzzos, two scuzzos talk. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Two scuzzos. <laughs> and they, they work in an office with a woman who's, I think, deaf. Um, anyway, uh, but if Eckhart, 93 was a little too early. Yeah. Or, 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 or um, our buddy from Boogie Nights and uh, the shark movie. Uh John C. Oh, Thomas Jane. Yeah. Yeah. Like somebody whose danger doesn't seem like yeah. creep. Yeah. I know. Yeah. William Baldwin is, he's just got that perma gaze glare, that kind of weird. Cool face. He's just constantly looks, doing yeah. the face yeah. that everybody does in the mirror when they want to look good. Yeah. He's doing it all the time. Like even when they looked in the camera, when they were on their little date or whatever, and he's looking in the TV yeah. and the screen at the TV. Uh, and he goes like, you have a problem with me uh, that I'm so young. I was like, if I was her, I would be out. I would so be gone. If somebody said, you have a problem with that. I'm so young. And then I had to watch him look into a camera and do his little cool face for himself. <laughs> I mean, it's hard enough. The The greatest test I think in any relationship is you just go, Hey, I know. Or in any friendship, you might sometimes glance over and see your friend try to do their sexy face in the mirror and you yeah. just have to accept it. Yeah. That's the big lesson to take away from this movie. Uh, Baldwin, though, I wouldn't accept his sexy face. No. I'd be like, Rejected. Yeah. What? Rejected. Yeah. And I'd put a big stamp on his face. Would it just say R? Yeah. Uh, I also just love the like bind that the early 90s provided this like reality bite setup of you can either be with the sellout, successful yes. sellout, or the like... <sighs> I stand outside and comment oh, on the God, things I right. see. It is that. You are so sexy how you stand outside things and comment oh, on them. She should have just shacked up with Gus. <laughs> totally. I mean, I think Gus was coded as like the kind gay man because yeah. he was like, I was friends with For the sure. woman who did. Yeah. But yeah, just have a relationship of convenience with Gus. Yeah. And we'd all be happy. Behringer's weird pronunciation of voyeur. What does he say? Uh, when he, he sees Sharon Stone looking through the telescope at the party, and he goes, look at her. She's a voyeur. Oh, yeah. Her, voyeur. This French voyeur. Yeah. Voyeur. Maybe I'm wrong, but uh, no, I you think... sound stupid. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much weird ADR in this movie, too. Oh, yeah. Do tell. It's the 90s. What, what? And most of this is on a set, or at least interiors. What? Is there not someone miking this thing? The, the, that one, um, 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 I hear you. There was a lot of weird, uh, like even when she first shows up, 
she has a whole conversation on her back between somebody that you yeah. know it wasn't that one. She's oh. like, I'm here for this thing. He's like, yes, thank you. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> um, it, you know what? It feels like this movie was written in another language and then translated. That's how bad the dialogue is. It's so like trying, like it was once snappy dialogue in another language and they had to somehow continue that snap over, but it doesn't quite make sense. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I guess other than that Joe Hester house movies like Jagged Edge and Basic Instinct, they make money. So Joe Hester house wrote a new movie. Let's pay for it to get a, a successful movie from him. But it's not like the actual product is yeah. like whatever. When you hear somebody likes a Billy Wilder screenplay or something, you're just like, oh, the dialogue's yeah. great. The storytelling, like I don't, it can only be a cynical yeah. act to do business with Joe Esterhaus. You're not doing it because you're like, oh, he kind of takes on mores and flips them on their head in a really fun way. Yeah. No, <laughs> it flips them on their feet. <laughs> um, uh, that uh, I wrote, give me a break when she starts crying having sex like she's having her first orgasm. I, do, I didn't know what to do. You've unlocked the passions! See, I was still in the frame of mind that she had experienced a trauma and this is her first. I know she yep. was divorced. So I know. I, I, I couldn't be affected by that scene because I have not been given any coherent information to understand what she's feeling. I mean, so, that could, what you just said, I haven't been given the information about the scene to know how I feel. It's like every scene in Sliver. Yeah, that's exactly uh, right. The, uh, uh, when she says, uh, uh, I mean, the dialogue of that we were just talking about where after they have all the sex, Colin Camp on an answering machine message goes, where are you at? I bet you've had multiple orgasms. And I'm like, nobody would ever say that. But she is saying it, and it's conveniently true. We just did see her have multiple orgasms. And as if the audience is just completely filled with morons, after she says, I bet you've had multiple orgasms, Sharon Stone, alone, by herself, says out loud, I have. <laughs> <laughs> this is that's so right up there dumb. with the in head exposition in Raising Cain. Well, I disagree with that. But. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love the early '90s touchscreen technology of enhance. Yes, I have that too. But they are predicting finger touchscreen technology. That's true. Um, I want to talk about when they're in the restaurant doing their little thing. Yeah. There is the so most sexy. misplaced extra. So the frame is on the <laughs> left of the screen is, I can't remember if it's Billy Baldwin and then on mm -hmm. the right is Sharon Stone, but mm -hmm. they just put an extra at the next table, like center focus. <laughs> he's just this man having an, you know, like- Is a, it him reacting to their- No, he's just having a conversation with the person <laughs> at his table, but it's that kind of extra acting of, you know, oh, peas and carrots, rhubarb, rhubarb. Both talking at the same time. That's weird. It, it's just so odd. <gasps> oh, like, yeah. Just put no one at that table and put them in the background, but he's almost in as much in the foreground as they are. It's really weird. I mean, that whole restaurant scene is really strangely yeah. shot. Like, I it- for sure. Uh, I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> did they did they break out the actual wine bar in the restaurant when they were shooting that film? <laughs> um 
then they go upstairs in the elevator. 13 is an unlucky number. Put on your underwear. Charm, charm, charm. I wouldn't want you to catch a draft. Ew. Oh, and it's and then she says something as warm as I am down there. Oh, <laughs> then they sneak into the apartment and she goes into his apartment looking for him. So sexy in the dark on his computer. This computer game designer has volcano CD-ROM footage. I'm getting hotter. Oh, my volcano's bubbling. And then the like. When he surprises her and they start having sex like up against the wall, there is a particular type of tone that only existed in new Jack Swing music. Like, do you know that kind of like yeah. um, Rhythm Nation, Janet Jackson yeah. era, um, uh, Michael Jackson guitar tone and yeah. Dangerous? It's like... It's just like... Oh, I didn't think things were sexy until I heard this new yeah. Jack Swing guitar oh, revving them up. And then uh, the uh, uh, this is then when things just get really confusing about like when she finds out. Okay, when you first find out that he's the guy behind the camera, it's like, all right, how is this ratcheting things up a notch? And then when she finds out, it's like, how is this ratcheting up things up a notch? And then that she, whole sequence when she sits down, and this is so terrible what he goes, you know, it's a soap opera. It's a comedy. This is better than any entertainment you could watch. And then the montage of her intrigued. Yeah. Crying. Yeah. Laughing. Uh, what if that was like five minutes? It was so long. No, though, I that. mean just like the montage was supposed to be. Like, <laughs> that's how much. Also, but when ed- when it was happening, that was when I most felt this movie was edited two weeks before because yeah. I was like anybody would if you watched this three times, you'd go, "Whoa, this is really long." Yeah. We've proven the point that she's been absorbed by his world. She also lives in the building with the most men- momentous apartments. Every apartment has some major life thing going on. Abuse, sex, like no one's oh. just eating a dinner. And look, I get it. It's a movie. You got to yeah, make the surveillance still. footage cinematic. But those are the most perfectly composed. Oh, yeah. The actor would have to, they're so tight on their faces. The person would have to like work to find their mark yeah. for <laughs> Zeke. Zeke. So Zeke could watch them. Um, and yes, anytime, much like uh, if somebody in a period thing is holding a newspaper, the headline always has to be like the news of the year. Yeah. Like similarly, when you're watching a surveillance and you're just catching snippets of conversation, it always has to be, I have a, I, they found a tumor. Yeah. <laughs> oh, lucky you. Um, also, just like, I know this is supposed to be rear window, but they really did find a way to drain all suspense out of the prospect no of watching people. Yeah. Like, the moral, ethical dilemma you might be in when you overhear somebody that sexual abuse is going on, that's not happening. The first idea anybody would have, which is like, oh, a murder is starting to happen. Can I get there in time to stop it? Doesn't happen. That's the problem with these movies and this one especially is 
you're you're actually getting the promise of kind of an erotic thriller and a voyeuristic thing, which we all have an interest in, you know, in varying degrees. Yeah. And this movie, which is about all that and is giving it to you, somehow manages to make it to mess it up. Boring. Boring. Yeah. Yes, you're right. And the only thing and confusing. Yeah. The only thing entertaining about this movie is how odd it is. How well, broken and then it the, is. the doppelganger thing is ends up being this kind of like easy psych armchair psychology like he did it because they looked like his mom and his mom fell so now he wants other women who look like his mom to fall is like so dumb i think i missed that yeah like somebody's like don't you get his mom she fell from a a two and look at this picture of her she looks exactly like you well what about vita why does he kill vita um Good question. Because <laughs> uh, it was probably William but Baldwin trying to do doing the, it yes, at that point. Yeah. Because Esther House wrote five different endings. Well, it brings up this thing that was I just wanted clue? to talk about the test screening, changing the test audiences, not liking an ending and changing it, and kind of this weird almost bookend we're in, which is like it was to the full benefit of Fatal Attraction. We watched that ending. Original ending was terrible. Test audiences were right. And they were probably right about this too. Yeah. They don't want to know William Baldwin's a bad guy and he gets the girl. I could see that they're right in saying that. Sort of, but like... I love that he's still a horrible... A horrible person yeah. who still lives uh, and like doesn't face put in. But the like... Uh... What is it? I know all genres probably had their own stories about tests, but it does seem like thrillers in particular and their endings can really like i think because it's all building to a mystery or something that's why horror movies are so like huge successes or total failures same with thrillers it's a joke it it either lands or it doesn't yeah and if it doesn't then you're like oh i got cheated out of an hour and a half two hours of my time but at least sometimes like you were saying earlier you can have fun with a long setup to a joke yeah this has no setup or it has eight setups. Yeah. And when you have know like, what it's setting up, yes, ultimately it, w- it was setting up something that it let go of and didn't intend to set up. So it can't work. It's mm-hmm. like, tell, imagine what's it like a classic joke, you know? Uh, oh, right, 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 right. And uh, you do a different punchline that doesn't even have the setup. Yeah, so if you do like the salesman, farmer, or, daughter, or even simpler, like what what do you get when you cross an elephant with a rhino to get to the other side? <laughs> yeah, that's it. That is it. The uh, ending of that movie was the to get to the other side of a combination yeah. of an elephant and uh, a rhinoceros. <laughs> He does have an X Factor poster up when you get to see his lair, the little entry to his lair, which was a comic I read. A oh, lot he also high. has a Nine Inch Nails broken EP oh poster. My God. This sick twist. Of course, he likes Nine Inch Nails. She loves Pro Jam. Cool, but. Um, oh, also another trope of yuppies when they have TV on, it's always crap. She's yeah. watching the Joan Rivers talk show. That's right, yeah. Uh, they never have Charlie Rose on, which I'm. I don't know what's up to that. I bet Charlie Rose was a real sliver. <laughs> uh, uh, I did like the proto matrix room that William yeah. Baldwin has. Um, the, uh, Oh, uh, I don't know if this is a, I thought I saw a Phil noise cameo. The waiter. 
Oh, the when they're going through the different surveillance footage and it's a guy sticking out his tongue like while he's brushing oh, his teeth really? or something. Hmm. I thought that was like his Hitchcock cameo or something. That looked more like Esther House to me. Ooh. But I don't know. I think Esther House was um, uh, Tom Berenger in a lot of the scenes. If you replay him. <laughs> <laughs> um, when he's talking about... Uh, and they're trying to do that thing when she gets involved, like Grace Kelly in Rear Window. She's yeah. like Grace Kelly, like, ooh, I could see how this is intriguing. Um, but it doesn't involve her then psychologically, really, other than her just feeling guilty or torn. Yeah. But I liked when she's like, you have tapes, all of these? She's like, yeah, I don't even have time to watch everything I record. I was like, hey, talk to people with their DVRs during peak TV, my friend. <laughs> About recording and not getting this around. This movie really saw something coming. <laughs> um, I do think in the last 20 years, since the 90s, people have come become better about just the easy exploitation of the worst thing in the world, incestuous sexual abuse. Like... It just gets treated like in the Janie's Got a Gun video for Aerosmith. Like, yeah. And in this, it's just a plot point that to make the movie edgy or something. Like, I don't use this word often. It's despicable. Oh, because it's so tokenized. And, and for somebody who's sitting worse. in the audience watching them be like, I was sexually abused by uh, my father, my stepfather. And now I'm just watching it as like a way to make this high rise seem not even sinister, kind of worse, like sexy, not sexy, like, but just like, that's how sex fueled this apartment yeah. is. And that there's also that assault scene too, where the husband's beating his wife and it just all has this feeling of like, say what you will about the sliver apartment block. It's passionate. <laughs> <laughs> These are the type of people who would dive into a volcano. Oh, God. Um, then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh. When Baldwin gets exonerated and they, he's wearing a white shirt with khaki pants and they have a cop in uh, ADR off screen saying, well, that wraps it up. That's what you know. Was that, that's Jim Beaver from Deadwood. Oh. Ellsworth. I think, I don't know if he's the one that says that, but he's in that scene. Here's the scene. This is my last note. Oh, no, yeah. But this cracked me up. They find the pen, <laughs> you know, and he takes, or no, they find the, the key, key and he takes a pen to pick it up because he can't, you can't get your fingerprints huh. on it. And they, they're like, does it fit this lock? And then he just hands it to a cop who takes it in his bare hands and just, just puts his That's fingerprints so all over it. True. <laughs> if anybody, if if Sliver made people feel like they didn't get to see something entertaining, fine. An old Saturday Night Live sketch with um, John Larroquette as a detective who always uses pencils to pick up evidence at the scene of a oh, crime. How funny. <laughs> and by the end, you got guys going like. Hey, uh, they, they're excited. They want to see him pick things up. <laughs> so they're like, and uh, I think this microwave over here might be evidence too. And everybody's like, oh, okay, let's see. And they all watch him pick it. They're like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Um, 
Uh, I love the moment. So stupid when Zeke is like, we can watch these to help people. And then they have their little dumb um, Lucius and Batman Patriot Act oh conversation. Oh, God. That, uh, that from that movie, too. So dumb. Yes, yes. Um, and also, she. The, I, I was wondering, how does he store all these tapes? Like, the archive alone would be so huge. And then... <laughs> no, he's just got a porn stash like any dad yep. in his closet with yeah. two tapes and yeah, like, two. and then just like trusty porn makes. I don't know. I, oh. uh, the um, this is why you pay Esther House top dollar so she can say stuff like you like to watch, watch this, and she shoots a screen with a gun. Um. Yeah, the uh, if we didn't make it clear, I, uh, he was supposed to be the killer, William Baldwin, and then he wasn't. Or, but like at the end of the movie, he's acting like the psycho killer at the end of a thriller when he's like, "Listen, yeah. baby, we could do it together, you yeah. and me." But then Beringer's the killer. You're just like, who, what? What did we want to happen? That's the problem. I don't want any of these people to end up with each other because they're all despicable. And yet I do want them to end up because they should have to deal with each other. I don't want these people coupling yes. with anyone else. I have I have no investment in a single character in this movie except for maybe Gus and the girl that's being abused. <laughs> yeah, the old man and the child I I sympathized with. <laughs> Um, yeah, because then, yeah, right. You have the woman, she's in Patriot Games, the eccentric art dealer. Type yes, or Vida. Yeah, yeah she's yeah. good in Patriot Games. I liked her performance in this. And Colleen Camp is in Die Hard 3. She's really good in that. She's so over the top in this. It's so weird. Yeah. Living up to her last name, I guess. <laughs> um, I went to Colleen Camp. One summer. <laughs> I went to calling camp one summer. It was just a phone bag. <laughs> my two calling camps in my mind that when I think of calling camp is in uh, Apocalypse Now, when she's like one of the Playboy dancers on the- Oh, I didn't know that. In the helicopter. And then as the mom in uh, Election, Tracy Oh, I haven't seen that in years. I love that movie. She writes letters to Connie Chung asking for advice for how they became successful. It's one of the... Quick, some quick love for Election, Gourley, just saying. I was thinking about it last week. Um, That movie is so funny that it has four... I love Election. And that it has four voiceover narrations... Tracy, Matthew Broderick, the jock, the jock sister. So you got four different people giving you access to their brains. Yeah. At no point during the movie, maybe once, does a character actually say something uh, that is true. (laughs) They're just saying lies the whole time about themselves, about what happened. You see the events before you didn't happen that way. It's just such a funny joke that like you could have the, I mean, that's the intention of the movie. I'm sure it's just like, Oh, look at how people just constantly, uh, you know, make stuff up in their brains to get through a day. But been talking about a sequel for that movie for so long. And then the book came out. Yeah. And Leslie, uh, I, uh, she read the book um, and uh, liked it. I mean, yeah. 
Why not? That would be awesome, I think. It would. I I should read the book. I read the first book because uh, that's cool. You can see where the movie came up with the device because each chapter is told from another person's uh, uh, point of view. That's like Dracula. Oh, yeah, the original election. Yeah. <laughs> hey, why do I feel like sometimes on election day I have to vote for Dracula? <laughs> <laughs> well, what's your best thrill? Uh, when Tom Berenger ran up to her in the park with his hood up, yeah. I like that scared me. Yeah, same here. Hood also, park. I hate those kind of not in a movie. I just do my best to keep people out of my life who like to do those things. Agreed. Also, I when people pull pranks on each other, I don't get it because I'm like, brother, your ass is hanging out now. You're you gotta look over your shoulder all the time. Was it worth? The paranoia was the prank worth the paranoia you have to feel. You should have to opt into pranks. Yes, not opt out. You know. Yep. Yeah. What was your uh, best thrill? Was it that? That, (laughs) but it's just because I can't be bothered to think of it. All right, let's recap the scores. Fatal Attraction. We got double thirteens. Pacific Heights double eights. Sleeping with the enemy nine point five from me and nine from you. Hand that rocks the cradle. I gave an 11. You gave an 11.5. Raising Cain, um, I gave a 5. You gave a 10. Consenting Adults, I gave it a 5. And you gave it a 5.5. I'm going to give Dales a a 3.5. I'm going to give it five as well but I'm going to actually alter my consenting adults I'm going to give it a six oh this is sliver is a six no sliver is a five I see and consenting adults is a yeah, yeah. Uh, I have to put a little MG that like when you fix a check <laughs> I mean I like how all these movies we've had a wide range of like quality because even just hearing those I'm like Fatal Attraction's like a masterpiece and the hand that rocks the cradle is like a really great version yeah. of a of a thriller. Yeah, of a pulpy one. The yeah. reason I gave this a low score, even lower than like consenting adults, consenting adults still had a couple moments where in the pit of my stomach I was like, ooh, ooh, uh, ooh, ooh. I care enough about yeah. what's going on that I don't want this person to make this choice right now. Yeah. Uh, Sliver, not only did I not feel that, it was just because I didn't even have a map for knowing <laughs> no. what my gut reaction no. should be. You were dropped into a war zone and had to find <laughs> your way out. And we barely escaped. It was like by that the camera guy who got dropped in the volcano to make this movie. Yeah. Like we were left for two days without food or water oh, with this. Oh my God. Oh my God. Um, but I loved it. I love Sliver and I'll probably rewatch it again. Tonight. I know I will before yeah. I die. I oh. will want to see a movie about. That's early 90s, like surveillance yeah. in a sexy apartment. Yeah. I'm there. I'll be there again. And that's the lesson we've learned. Uh, and uh, would you say that the directing was noise? Noise! Oh, this Philip was so noise in this. Boy! And now next week, Fear. We're wrapping it up with Fear. I haven't watched it since high school. I watched it a few years ago for the first time. We did an outdoor movie of Fear. Oh, nice. But yeah, I you and Amanda. don't remember. Yeah. Um, my, uh, wife and uh, I, we watch, um, we'd watch movies all the time with our daughter. Yeah. Um, all the time. But 
it, it wouldn't ever be like this official kind of movie night. Yeah. You were getting to stay up later mm. to now watch a movie, but we just started and we've done <gasps> two of them now. Oh, I can't wait. What have you watched? And I'm in heaven, man. Oh, it's just wait. like the best thing in the world. What are you watching? What did you watch? Uh, we watched everything. Home Alone. Oh. And then uh, the next night, uh, we watched Troop Beverly Hills. Oh. And what made me think with fear, we're not going to watch fear, but just like <laughs> Leslie and I have joked about like, are we going to be able to get to go through again the entire sleepover canon of movies, yeah. of like sleepover movies with just being like, oh, let's watch uh, Troop Beverly Hills. Let's watch yeah. uh, Girls Just Want to Have Fun. Uh, yes, you are. The Deer Hunter. <laughs> but oh my gosh to sit on a couch all together <sighs> eating popcorn and peanut m&ms what time do you start uh oh and we put on a fire leslie starts a fire uh we start at eight o'clock yeah. and so then mary has to stay up until like nine thirty or 10 and, and she doesn't fall asleep she's been She's up, but by the end, she's like doing the cute kid thing of like, oh. you want to stay up because you want to be with the grownups. And why would I fall asleep when I could be oh, with the grownups? Oh my God, I cannot wait. I love wait. it. It's I cannot yeah, wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, let's end on that. Okay. Cheers. Bye. For more Gorley and Rust content, head over to patreon.com slash with Gorley and Rust to get episodes ad-free and a whole week early. Plus, monthly mailbag episodes and feature-length watch-along film commentaries of your favorite horror classics. That's patreon.com slash withgorleyandrust. Email us at withgorleyandrust at gmail.com, and your questions might be featured on a future mailbag episode. With Gorley and Rust theme song by me, Matt Gorley, and performed by Townland. You can find us on Instagram as Townland Band, as well as Paul's fantastic band at Don't Stop or We'll Die. And why not rate and review with Gorley and Rust on Apple Podcasts? It'll help us grow the show and keep us trucking through the Jasons and the Michaels, the Leatherfaces and the Chuckies, the Aliens and the Candymans. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.